Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fool here on BoughtUpSea.com. Who do I have on the phone today? Today, our guest is Tracy Stubbs. And again, I'm going to call names and I doubt you're ever going to know who these people are. But by the end of this entire podcast, you're going to know exactly who they are and what they do. So, Tracy, how are you doing today, man? Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? Okay. Awesome. So, here on Just Talking Fool, I mean, we've known each other for like... How many years? I don't. I I stopped I'm counting. I'm trying to count them kind of years at this point. <laughs> I should. It's possible that I know anybody this long. Uh, but when you go into double digits, you just start. You yeah, just stop talking. Uh-uh, you know. Uh-uh. That's when you just say, "Yeah, I know them long time." That's all. No, you can no, say. Long time, long time. That's my good, good friend. <laughs> yeah, that's all you could say after that. Yeah, so we've we've been being good friends for a long time. Um, had similar interests. Actually, a few good similar interests which uh, kind of brought us together a whole lot more work on a few projects together. And we did a lot of stuff, actually. And we're still working on one thing that it's my fault. I'm not going to... I have no pressure. No, no, because it, it's all my fault. We could bring it up. We could talk about it, you know. Things happen, but you know what it is. But to let my guests know and everyone who's listening right now, um, I just get straight, straight to the point. Tracy Stubbs is one of the best sound engineers I know. In the country, actually, <laughs> one of the few I know in the world. So, I would still say she's the best, no matter what. Um, whenever I have any project, I'll call up, and she, you know what? Let me let me let you tell me your accolades. Like, what type of project you work on? I said, I'm first of all, you know, at the same we jumped up far. What the hell is a song engineer? Anyhow, let's go with that first of all. Okay, a sound engineer. The actual field of sound is actually kind of big once you really start getting into it. I think sound is one of those things that we are so used to that we don't really take it for granted. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. every song that you hear on the radio, every commercial that you hear, all of the movies and and the the TV shows, etc., the radio shows, all of these. Um, things, these elements of our like lives, at some point, somebody has to actually record that sound and edit that sound and, and you know, make sure that it's something that's clear. Um, so the sound engineer or the sound mixer, the sound technician, you know, those uh, terms are kind of interchangeable or sound designer, sometimes we use. Um, that's several differences, but for the most part, we we are the people who will manipulate the sound in order to uh, present experiences to you, whether that's um, live or if it's a, a audio broadcast or if it's a, a television film or other kind of video broadcast. Yeah, we're the better people behind what you hear. So let's jump into movies because I know people recognize movies like I think they call it the score. I don't know if that's the same thing because you have like. Well, the, uh, even if, like I said, it's such a massive, huge field. So when you are dealing with movies, a score, a musical score, that would be like usually you might hear like the orchestra or, or all of the instrumental music, basically. That would be uh, the, the sort of um, the overriding theme of a particular scene or a series of scenes or something that is going to sort of evoke a certain kind of emotion, which is different from the soundtrack 
which would be like very specific song songs that might be exclusively found in that movie or um, might be uh, mainstream songs that were utilized for the purpose of the movie because it fit in for whatever reason. Um, then you have the, the actual um, on-location kind of sound for film. So that's like when you see the person with the with that big pole and the mic, um, you know, they have to put it over the top of the scene to yeah. capture the sound. Yeah. Sometimes they might use lavaliers and stuff, and you'll see them with the, the pack strapped to them and, and headphones, but not. So there's that. And then you have, uh, and all of these are separate jobs. Like, this is, like, it's amazing how much goes into a movie. I'm constantly amazed at how much goes into a movie. Then on top of that, you have the people who are, are fully artists. And those are the people who are responsible for all of the sound effects that you would hear. And people usually specialize in that. So every time, or maybe not every time, but a lot of the time, and most of the time to get a nice, clean, crisp sound, like for the door closing or for footsteps. Ah, right, right, right. Or you might have like the cloth tracks, track. So like literally somebody um, moving their arm or something like that and the sound that their pants or their whatever they're wearing makes, that's an entire track. So, and, and then you might have a, a bug moving or uh, when there's a fight scene and somebody punches somebody to impact yeah. Or the sound of the swords, and the, and so all of that is fully artistry. Then you have sound design inside of the movies too. So then that would be more of like your atmospheric sounds, like if it's raining or if there's thunder or if there's wind or like if you know what I mean. If, if you're in a certain particular kind of room and it's hollow, so that goes. That's more of your post-production sound. Right. And I'm missing something else. I was just in the front of my mind, so I'm missing one more part. Um, if it comes to me, I will, I will bring it up. But yeah, right. there's a lot of different levels of sound that goes on in a film, especially. I can imagine, because I remember um, Jurassic Park, when Jurassic Park first came out. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I can't remember which theater it was in. But anyway, it was surround song. I mean, it had a like really good sound, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was the first time. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I could hear all everything that was that was there. Like you say, you could hear the rain because they're talking in the rain. Or or you could hear um, the vibration like every time a dinosaur moves. Or, or just like right. the hum of the engine. It's like so many different yes. sounds you start to hear and yeah. put together that you, you, the- you know, you just you don't usually pay attention to. The thing about what I really was, I really enjoyed, and I've never gotten to actually mix a, a, a surround song project. I would love to do it. Um, I found that to be one of the more fascinating things um, because now you're in a 3D environment, and so you're building a 3D sound. And so if something is happening to the back of you to your right, you know what I mean? Then right. that's where you hear it. And so now you have to start placing these things all. And so it's it's like instead of having a, a 2D painting, it's like a 3D painting, but sonically. So that's pretty, pretty intense. One of the things that people, I think, don't consider, like I remember when I was in school, 
uh, they used the example of the game Doom. That was out uh-huh, when right, I right. was in school, yeah. and one of my classmates had it. And we went to his apartment, and we were we were playing it, and I didn't realize how intense that game was um, from a from the sound standpoint, yeah. because you can you could only you could only hold the gun or hold the flashlight. You couldn't right. hold the gun and hold the flashlight. And so playing the game, I don't, I don't even know how it was possible to play that game without <laughs> having a surround sound system. I'm serious because remember now the screen will be black. Yeah. Yeah. And you're moving through complete darkness. Yeah. And then you're sitting in the surround sound. So even in headphones, it's difficult. And you would hear, literally hear something rustle in the back of you to the left or something like that. And then you have to hurry up, grab the, the, the flashlight and swing around to that side to see what it was. And then yeah. hurry up, grab the gun and shoot the gun. You know what I mean? And that was, that was really, really cool. And it, it's in sound is in every single part of all of our lives. It's just that we're so, it's so commonplace that we kind of, like I said, take it for granted. I know. I know. I, I remember trying to play Silent Hill. And I, I trust me, I didn't get it past the first stage because, like you said, playing that with surround sound, you started to freak the hell out. And you know, yes. kids, you're playing in the middle of the night, and this thing is so freaky as it is. I'm like, you know what? Uh, before, before I run out the house screaming, let me leave this Wait. game alone. Yeah. So yeah, they succeeded on 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 uh, putting that little terror or fear inside of me just by sound. Yeah, yeah. It dictates a lot, like the you know, especially in movies, the the, the sound. And the score itself that you mentioned, it really becomes a character of its own. And it can make or break a movie. Like, it, You're it, right, it, yeah. It, it really can. I remember, um, I think it was in college, something like that. A couple of us was watching, I can't remember what the movies it was. And we were talking about horror movies. And okay. someone mentioned, say, but if you're afraid of a horror movie, just turn the sound off. I'm like, what? Because I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that sound played that's such of an integral part yeah. inside a movie. So yeah. uh, I can tell you right now, and everybody, if actually if you know me, you should know that um, um, The Exorcist, to me, I still haven't watched that from beginning to end in one sitting. I have to watch that in pieces. I'm like, I'm like. I ain't going to lie. I don't know what the movie too. I just can't oh, sit down at one boy. sitting. So <laughs> one time I actually sat down and I say, I can watch this movie. And they say, let me just turn the sound off. And I turned the sound off, and I got further than usually make it. I think I made right. it as far as when the, the girl came down the stairs backwards, and I was like, okay, that's still enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah. so it was so weird. I mean, there's so many things. Like, my wife, she always tells me, say, boy, your ears just pick up so much stuff. I'm like, because y'all don't listen. I'll tell you the story, right? I don't know if you watched, there was a horror movie, um, 13 Ghosts. Do you remember that? Yes. All right, 13 goes, a couple of us, I remember a couple of my boys, we went there, we had a little dates, whatever, we sit down inside there, and I keep turning around, and my boy's like, boy, what happened to you? I say, boy, I keep hearing something. I say, boy, you freaking out. I say, no, I'm hearing something in the movie. Mm-hmm. And what happened was there was an underlying score of this Gaelic language. You know, I don't know if you heard. Ah, yeah. You know, and I say, no, boy, I know that language. <laughs> and he's like, boy, what you talking about? It wasn't until... We were able to, like, weeks after, I say, but I still freaking out from that movie. And when I when mm-hmm. it, it went online, when it actually came out, it was on YouTube, and we played it. 
And I played it slower and slower for them to hear it. Then it's like, oh, yeah, you can hear something speaking in the back. I say, but I tell you all I was hearing this in the movie. But it was yeah. freaking me out because I know, you know, Gaelic language is that's like a very scary language. Right. So I'm like, but I don't feel comfortable watching this movie because I don't know what they say. <laughs> exactly. But there's a there's a lot of power in sound. When they read right. in the Bible, it says that faith comes by hearing. Ah. It it that is very powerful, and it's not it's not necessarily speaking about only good things. Right. If you if you listen to a lot of free, that's why you know we've had this argument for a long time about you know certain kinds of rock music yeah. or, or dancehall or any kind of music that so called glorifies violence or right. whatever negative uh traits you know what i mean and you have to actually consider because if you keep if you keep hearing something over and over and over that that actually sort of programs you so i even um sort of very careful about what it is that i'm actually listening listening to uh, or at least you know what i mean like you uh is saying like listen with intentionality yeah. so that that uh you're aware of certain elements that may be a part of this thing that might not necessarily align with your self or your values or right. whatever it is. Because these things like there's it's there, you know, everybody's operating off, off of different value systems and a lot of people have different agendas and stuff like that. So I mean it's definitely there. That's true. Um, I'm trying because as you said that there was a documentary uh, this pastor did in the States and he was talking about music, like in rap music and so on and so forth. And he was mm -hmm. um, one thing he brought up was Bone Thugs and Harmony. And I'm like, what? Bone Thugs? Man, I just well, like them. Like, that was, I love them. Actually. Exactly. So he he was talking more about the album cover because um, you yeah, like when you open up. Art. Right. And like on the inside. There was some writing, but you have to look in the mirror to read it. Right, yes, yes. And, right, and so he was talking about how, again, if you read it in your mind or if you read it out loud and stuff like that, like, I keep putting the curse on yourself. But he was then talking about the lyrics and the song and what rhythm and beats were. And he took it all the way back to African beats and stuff like, like mm -hmm. different tribes, different things. So it really opened my mind to, like, like you said, you have to be very careful about what you listen to. Because yep. you repeat that. It's it's the same thing of just repeating, like, what is called it? Affirmations? Yeah. You you repeat the same thing over. You're hearing this over and over and over again until you your subconscious pick it up and then you just automatically begin to believe well, this it. this is the thing. Like I said, I, you know, even when, it, when they're talking, like, more now on a sort of personal level, it is important. It is very important, no matter who you are, to practice positive self-talk. For the same reason, because, you know, only you hearing the voice in your head and that voice, what the words or the things that that voice is putting out there is important. And if you allow yourself to dwell on a bunch of negative things, then um, negative things are likely to manifest. And yeah. if you dwell on more positive things, then positive things are more likely to sort of manifest. And I don't know that we, we understand how much power there is in what it is that we hear in the natural world and also what it is that we hear in our minds. That's serious. <laughs> That's very serious. 
Because a lot of people don't believe in it. They, I think they try it for a while and then they say it doesn't work. I mean, um, but if you look at it, if, whether it's the law of attraction or if you go into a church, these are natural laws. They might describe them very slightly differently, but fundamentally, these, this is the same. It's the same thing. Like I know when, okay, I'll give you an, uh, an example around, um, I mean, I don't even... Anyhow, we we supposed to be talking about some, but anyway. <laughs> no, but still, go ahead, go ahead with it, go ahead with it. The the when the law of attraction first came out, I was very very skeptical about that. For instance, right? You know, everybody was raving about it and this and that and the next thing, and it was like, oh, these hippies kind of, you know. <laughs> I'm not lying. Anyway, so um, but I I saw, I watched the video, whatever, and I was I like I said, I was still skeptical. But I said, yeah, I tried. I don't remember yeah. at the time. I really needed a laptop computer. Okay. And I I focused on that so much, and as much I I would talk to myself about this all the time and look up the specs that I wanted. I would repeat those things. I'd be doing my regular whatever, but I repeat all the specs in my mind and what I needed to do and this other next thing. And then if I bump into you, dog eat your lunch, you're coming up. <laughs> We're talking about it. You know what I mean? Even, even if briefly and I am explaining to you what all I want to do with it and this, that, and why it's important and what I can do, this and that, and this and that. And within a matter of weeks or so, like I don't think it was more than maybe six weeks, mm-hmm. I was able to get this laptop that I definitely could not afford at the time. It was a MacBook Pro. Oh. And I definitely couldn't afford it at the time. But I was able to literally speak it into my existence. And I was like, this is powerful. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> because at the end of the day, that's what it was. It was a bunch of self-talk. It was like focusing on the thing and just hearing myself talk about it to different people and hearing it in different conversations and really visualizing myself having this thing and being able to do the different things that I needed to do and all the rest of it. And I was like, that is amazing. Because if I hadn't watched the Law of Attraction, I would have never talked to myself like that. I think that was the thing. Like, okay, for me, it was kind of opposite. Um, when I was younger, I used to say a lot of things to myself, like, I'm a genius. I, used, I could do anything I want to do. And I used to find myself doing a lot of stuff and, and being good at it. But mm-hmm. as you got older, you know, I guess you listen to other people who tell you you can't do and you kind of let it get to you. So, right. yeah, because I when I watched that as well. Um, that's the one with, what's your name? Bangs or Burns, whatever her name was. Oh, I can't remember all the people. Yeah, I, so I can't remember. Ago. But um, so I started it again. Now, it didn't happen as fast for me. What I found out, though, is that it happens unknowingly to me. And, mm. I would, and when it does happen, then I would sit back and say, hey, didn't I, didn't I ask yeah. for this before? And then it, it's right. like it's, it's there. Like even yeah. with, with um, business and money or you want certain things, you, you put that mm-hmm. image in your mind and you keep telling yourself. And then speaking, that's what I liked about it. Here's the thing. Um, and I, I want to bring up the church in this part because the church said it a whole lot, speak it into existence. You know, they always talk about mm-hmm. that. But like you say, that intention, if that intention isn't there, it doesn't work. So right. you have to speak as if you already have it. Yeah, you literally have to believe. You have yeah. to believe in yourself. You have to believe that you deserve it. You have to believe that it is possible. You do have to believe. And that's why the repetitiveness, that's why too, with any kind of religion, not, you know, any particular, but who you're 
leader is is actually yeah. important because you're going to continuously be hearing certain ideas from, from them, them over and over again yeah. and internalizing that. So there's all of that in that. Yeah, you're right. I actually, speaking of church, since we're supposed to be talking about sound, but all I this actually, is sound, yeah. <laughs> I have actually, um, over the last five, six years, I've been more and more um, dealing with churches, um, helping them to upgrade their sound systems, um, helping to train their, their people, their volunteers and whatnot. Um, and solving a lot of problems or try, you know, doing my best to solve a lot of the different problems that they have been experiencing, um, right. especially with trying to move into the 21st century. A lot of churches haven't upgraded their sound system like since the 90s. I'm working on one now. They haven't upgraded their, their sound system since the 80s. Oh, my goodness. And Yes, oh, my God, it's correct. And when it's like that, it ends up being a big deal. But then I have other churches where, you know, they might have a younger pastor, a younger following kind of thing, and they right. have sort of decent stuff, but they might not necessarily know the um, how to get the most out of, out of what it is that they have. And it might yeah. just be some sort of reconfiguration kind of thing. Um, just so that they can they can more properly utilize what it is that, that they have, um, or even maybe like team dynamics, so understanding between the sound and the video, um, and maybe whatever um, iMag they have, how to get those persons talking to each other. Because what I find in churches especially, Nobody likes to give it to the sound person, but the sound person ends up, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, the sound person ends up kind of being the glue of the media department, because if it's video, you need to be doing video playback, that means that's sound. Um, if you have dancers, that's sound. Right. If you have a band, that's sound. If you have, uh, well, not if you have, you will have various kinds of speakers come um, to talk to the congregation, all of that is sound. And so these people need to be able to hear themselves. They yeah. need to be able to hear each other. They need to be able to hear the music. There needs to be some kind of sensible and solid balance between everything, you know what I mean? And then that needs to sort of be translated in a way that, uh, you know, your, your electrical load is not um, freaking out. I went into one church that I, I was honestly like, I just went to do an assessment and I ended up there for a while because I was like, I don't know how this church hasn't burned down. <laughs> um, <laughs> based on how the amplifiers were set up. Um, but you have a lot of people, you know, and, and it's beautiful on the one hand because it's really a labor of love for a lot of the volunteers who don't know that much yeah, or just... who might have just a, a very small foundation in it and maybe necessarily don't have all of the theory or be able to connect the different parts of the theory that they do understand kind of thing. Yeah. But they're in there, they're in the trenches and they're making it happen every Sunday. You have some guys, they and ladies, they take it to the next level where they do a lot of research and that's where you end up getting a lot of um, professional technicians. I was uh, speaking to a pastor on Friday, uh, not a pastor, he's a bishop. I'm supposed to be going to his church on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I was explaining to him, you know, it's, I'm, I'm very passionate, passionate about doing this particular kind of work because I, I see it as the same kind of feeder system, you know, uh, when, you, when you look into entertainment 
um, a lot of people who sing, um, they would have gotten their start in a church. Yeah. And maybe they didn't stick with just gospel music at the end of the day. But, you know, those, all those big names, the Aretha Franklins and, and the Whitney Houston, all these massive huge, just about all of them have the common Sam Cooke and all these other, they have that common thread of, of they grew up in the church. And it's not just all of those older generations. This is most people's only opportunity to be behind the microphone or to, to have access to um the speakers and, and a proper mixer and all the rest of it. And so to me, it's a feeder program the same way amongst the volunteers for technicians. Because a lot of times with technicians, it might be a camera person or you might be right. a, a video editor or, you know, you might be a, a sound person, you might be into lights or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, you would have also gotten your start in church because the church collectively is one of the only entities that can actually afford that much of that kind of stuff and actually use it on a regular basis so that you could get to understand what's going on. And that's interesting because, like you say, I mean, (laughs) church, when you really think about it, um, the music, especially when you go into praise and worship, like mm-hmm. that music got to be on point. If you can't hear all the the tunes, if you can't hear, if any one thing is overpowering e- each other, it doesn't mm-hmm. work out. So it got to be mm-hmm. balanced between the singers and the drummers and the piano or the organ player or the who yep. and the bass or whatever. And it got to be smooth to the point where that song comes to you as if you're listening to a record. Because well, they, they they say that if you, if as a sound person you, you're doing your job right, if nobody notices that you're there. Right. So if it's like how you're saying with where it sounds like a, a record, like it sounds like a CD or something like yeah. that, then I say in CD. I, I wonder how many people don't even remember but CD. I don't never knew but CD. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but it sounds like a proper album and stuff like yeah, that, um, right? Because you 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 that that's how how tight your mix is really actually supposed to be, so that you are more into the the message and mm-hmm. and the emotions that are kind of being evoked instead of worrying about a lot of technical things. And like I said, that's a lot of the times, how come I get called into churches? Because they're not striking that balance. Yeah. And, and the frustration. You know, the other thing that I, you know, as anybody who is listening um, thinks that they might be interested in becoming a sound engineer, I thought, when I was in school, I thought that one of my lecturers was joking when he said that, especially being a monitor engineer, um, that you, you, it's, it's 90% psychology. It is literally okay. like if you get a psychology degree first or, or, or simultaneously, that would literally do wonders if you're a sound engineer because you think about it as, as technology, technology, technology. When the reality is that you have to deal honestly with a lot of different people, and they come from all types, different backgrounds, um, different races, different just everything. You have, and then it's, you're already dealing with a lot of sort of artsy people, and they're usually <laughs> very eccentric. And that's yeah. not a joke. Like they're usually very eccentric in one way or the other kind of thing, and you kind of got to leave room for that and understand not to take a lot 
too personally and stuff like that because at the end of the day, everybody just wants to hear what they need to hear so they could do and play their role. Right. And um, but in churches, a lot of times when they go into churches, people are very, very frustrated. They're very, very agitated. They might there might be some animosity between um, one one uh, kind of technician and the other, or, mm-hmm. or or the musicians and the sound person, or I guess it would be all these different tensions. And so it's like managing all of these people, trying to make sure and take all of their considerations into um, uh, sort of just trying to solve all of those different kinds of problems, and then sort of. Uh, get them on that interpersonal level to be more cohesive because like there was this one church i'll give you an example there was this one church i went to and this is not a big church and then i say they have a band their band was literally a keyboard player mm-hmm. and a drummer okay. and that was it yeah and then they have a praise team and they had a sound guy and they had somebody doing like the video type stuff and, you know, putting the lyrics up on, on the screen kind right, of thing. Right. So it was a fairly small team. And then they had the, the pastors and whatnot who would speak. And I went there to try and just tune the system. That's what I was asked to come there and do. They asked me to come and tune the system that they had because they had just gotten some new stuff. And they couldn't get it to sound the way that they really wanted it to sound. So I was like, right. okay, fine. So I go there and I do that. And in doing that, I realized that even though these people all had been going to the same church for years and years and years and years, and they were all dedicated and stuff like that, they didn't talk to each other. <laughs> And they really didn't know each other. And so I was the one who had to say, listen, the next time I come in here, y'all need to have a WhatsApp group. Mm -hmm. And y'all need to talk before the service and y'all need to talk after the service. There are certain things that y'all need to plan out before you need to know what this person is doing or that person is doing. If you need the music in advance or if you need um, a video in advance or whatever it is, you need somebody to do something, y'all, the only, y'all thinking it in your mind, it's not going to make it happen. Make it happen, Y'all exactly. need to actually talk to each other. Yeah. And so sometimes that ends up being, the, so sometimes the actual equipment is not really the sound problem that they're having. It's the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so why, they, what was the story yeah. with that? I mean, why were they, what, what's going on? With them? Why, were, why were they not talking to each other? What was the story? They so, just, they just, I mean, I don't know that that's that uncommon. I, I know the girl in the church that I grew up in, there are a lot of familiar faces. You go yeah. there every Sunday and you see these certain faces and you know, this family is going to always sit in this pew and this couple is always going to sit in that pew or whatever it is like that. And you see them often. But you don't necessarily socialize with them all the time based on, on how your church body operates. And so you might be familiar with the face, but you don't really know, nope, the, person. know the person. Yeah, that's and, true. and then sometimes I think there's a, a little bit of shame built in because I know like with me, there are certain people that I would have, you know, after a while you realize that you've been knowing so-called, I've been knowing in quotation, you've been knowing this person for such a long time. And then he's like, mother sex, I don't know that person's name, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And there is power in knowing somebody's name. 
And so um, it's like you almost start to feel guilt or whatever. And so you try and avoid them because, you know, you don't, you think you should know this or that or the next thing, yeah, especially if yeah. they know your name. Yeah, and they're calling you. Say, hey, guy. <laughs> right. And so, and then, and then a lot of things are just habit. Some people think that it's the same as other kinds of businesses. So you yeah. can have, you can have, like I worked in a bank before. Um, in the banking department, so I wasn't I wasn't a teller or anything like that. And in the banking department, I never at any point needed to interact with a teller. Okay. Um, so my department sort of was in, I could operate in isolated as long as we passed the documents that that each section needed to the next. So if I needed to go to accounts, I didn't really have to get to know those people. I just had to know that okay. In order for the next step of this process to happen, I need to hand these papers or I need to, to send a message to this person. And as long as I made that exchange, that's fine. But when you're doing a, when you're working in a, in a creative kind of situation, it's impossible for you to have a band and then the vocalists don't speak to the musicians and then the musicians don't speak to the sound man and the right. sound man don't speak to the, to the, to the vocalists and then the video person, you know, if they got to, like I said, they got to play something back, then, um, then they uh, have to talk to the, they have to talk to each other. There's a lot of collaboration that has to happen in order for you to be effective in your role. There has to be a lot of sort of intimate uh, collaboration that needs to happen. Oh, gee, I can't remember the word. But anyway, um, a whole organization sometimes, like you said, they just pass the buck. They know their job is to do this section, and then they pass mm-hmm. it on. But they don't know who they're passing it on. Or they might just say, oh, send it to this section, and that's it. Right. You know, that's beyond it. Yeah. So they really don't have to know. But there are sometimes, like you mentioned, um, in a church, one would, one would literally expect that everyone know each other because, okay, Who's the lighting guy? Who's doing, um, um, like you say, the seating, the lighting of, let's say they have video. Mm-hmm. Or, or who's even dealing with the, the, the screen where, where the song right. comes up. Like, you, need, you guys need to practice to get the cues on, on time. I'll, I'll, and it's so weird <laughs> that you mentioned that. To my wedding, right? Um, I, in fact, the only person who was in, who I utilized in my entire wedding that I did not know was the sound guy at the church. I didn't know him. Oh. So speaking to him, like I was talking to him, and he just seemed to be uninterested with what I'm saying. I say, okay, I don't trust this guy. So I gave him a thumb drive with the music. And I, I mm-hmm. told him, I gave him a piece of paper. This is for the bridal party, and this is for the bride to walk up and do that. Okay. And the night before the wedding, my mind just told me, you know what? Just have a backup just in case. So I recorded another one on a thumb drive and I gave it to my best man. And I say, look, yeah, I just, for some reason, I feel like this guy could frig up. And I say, just in case, do you with this with right. me? And true to form, I don't know if I call it, in, I don't know if I speak it into existence, but true to form, he couldn't eat enough of the information. We're like, what's happening? Yep. What's going on? But you had one job, one job, plug this down thing in and press the play button. That was your only one job. And you failed. Yep. So, Phil, you know, <laughs> so, uh, so communication, right? Like, and that's just on that, as simple as that was, 
So I could really unsee what you're talking about. Like, but yeah, people don't talk. Listen, I have done at this point. I've done hundreds, literally hundreds, um, of weddings. I don't even know how many weddings I've been involved in at this point. <laughs> um, and I always try to take special care because you know it's a very special day for the yes. people. And um, even for if you know it's a church wedding, even for the the people who would be officiating at the church and stuff like that. It's a lot of stuff that they have to take into consideration and be busy about themselves doing and stuff like that. And um, the last, like I used to, oh gosh, I used to work at Mount Tabor Church. Okay. Um, And I had a lot of interesting experiences working there, a lot of learning. But one of the things that became a thing is I would end up having to liaise with the with the a best man or with a maid of honor or something like that or maybe the mother of the bride over the same thing that you're talking about mm-hmm. with the music right and I would always try because even even if the bride or the groom was the one who came to me about it I would tell them listen I need y'all have plenty on your plate y'all trying to do everything, 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 and I understand that part, but you need to delegate this part yeah. to somebody yes. so that I could have somebody that, like, I could have a touch person that I could go back if I don't understand this and that and the next right. thing so that I can get it right. One of the reasons why I used to do a lot, a lot of weddings over at Ocean Club um, and a lot of these, like, sort of, you know, Atlantis and Life of Key and all of these stuff like that. So you're dealing with, you know, destination weddings. Right. And I got into the habit, actually, of getting unlimited data plans mm. because of these weddings. Because the same thing you're talking about, they would have certain songs that they say they want to play. And then whoever they deal with before I actually get on the scene, you know, um, Somebody gets it wrong. Somebody is missing. It's this, it's that. And then I have this 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 groomsman, or I have um, a cousin of the bride, or something like that, all over me. But do you, you're supposed to have this on. I'd be like, okay, I got to go on YouTube. I got to go find the song. I got to yep. go d- try to download. download this song. Yep. I, gotta, I, I used to call myself the phone DJ. <laughs> so by the time it's the, I'm serious, whatever the playlist was, I can't express to you how many different times. <laughs> The full playlist, I had to figure that out, line that up minutes before the bride was about to come down the aisle. Just to make it run smoothly. Just to make it run smooth? Because you don't want to mess up that day. I don't yeah. be one you yeah. remember yeah. for something bad. <laughs> <laughs> Pass it on to someone else. Everything else was perfect. Just like I say, that one guy, that one guy who yes. messed it, but I never forget that. Say, like, but I would never work with you, but. Just you had yep. one flipping job, but even that, yeah. like you say, with weddings is so important because that song people pick out their track that they want to walk down the aisle with. They have their mm-hmm. their rhythm set to that tune. They want to smile and walk, and that is like you say, setting the mood. So yep. you your sound have to be to a point where it's not too loud. And speaking about loud, um, mm. I can't even remember the name of the church. This is how much I wanted to get out of the church. They. <laughs> They had, I don't know if it's treble, like that high-pitched sound when you speak. Yes, that is the treble. That was yeah. high. That, and my, my ears are very sensitive to that type of range. 
And so, like, I, I was turning and tossing. I put my hand in my ear. I know people's looking at me like, what this boy doing? Why he's trying to do this? He must have a demon. I'm like, boy, this mm. is loud. This is hurting. My ears were ringing. Literally, when I came out yep. there for, like, a couple hours, yep. I couldn't hear. I yep. would not ever <laughs> step foot back in the church for that same reason. That was a horrible experience. I had, there was a church, I wouldn't call the name, because it's a pretty big time church. <laughs> but they, at one point, they didn't have an engineer, and um, somebody told me about it, and they said, you should go and try to help them out, yeah. see what they're saying. So I said, okay. And they, um, they had midday services a couple days a week. So I said, I'll, you know, I'll pass by. He was in the neighborhood where I was living at the time. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know, I'll pass through. And my daughter was, she was probably about two. She wasn't much more than two. I think she might have been one and a half. And I had her with me. And we walked into now the, the last sound engineer at the church. The reason why they needed a sound engineer at the church was because he said, I am not going to jeopardize my hearing for your vanity, right. basically. And so he left. And so they needed somebody. And I walked into that church and I stood, uh, I could only stand at the threshold of the sanctuary <laughs> because it was so loud. It was just so piercingly loud. My daughter started crying. I'm serious. I couldn't even walk in further than the last row of the of of the sanctuary, and it wasn't like it was full. Cause like I said, it was a midday service, yeah. and it wasn't full or anything like that. But it was the loudest thing I ever had for about a week. Cause you know she wasn't even talking in full sentences after yeah. that for a week. She would be in the box seat and she would think about that, and she's like, "Mommy, the church is loud." Loud. Wow. So serious. <laughs> the church too loud. And like, but uh, people go deaf, and that—that that is something that I've come across a lot. So you have a lot of musicians and a lot of pastors and preachers and stuff like that, who have actually lost a, quite a bit of their hearing yeah. because they are constantly in that kind of an environment too. And I, I try to educate people about that as well, um, because, like I said, it's, it's pretty—it's pretty common. You'd be surprised how many wow. how many people are actually deaf. Or like they deaf in one ear or, or yeah. something like that. I I understand the definitely like I say, another church. Again, doing weddings myself, you get to go into a lot of churches. And I'll talk about another story about that in a second. But I remember this particular one. They must be had a new speaker set up on the drum set. That that mm. and you know how drums ver I mean like that had my, my air drum just bouncing. I gotta feel it pouncing. I'm like, I cannot stay in here. I can't stay. And this dude just spanking that drum like crazy. Yep. Like, so yep. imagine if you were up on the pulpit, because it was to the right of where you, if you standing at the pulpit. So I could imagine your right ear would have been, would have had issues because that was yep. extra loud. And then there was a speaker in that area too. I'm like, why is, oh, yeah. A lot, a, the loud yes. is crazy because a, a lot of people have the impression that loud is better. Oh, when they say, they, Maha, make it sound better. What they mean is they want it louder. louder. <laughs> I know plenty of times I used to get so mad. I did put in all kinds of monkey cables, you know what I mean? A musician or a vocalist telling me, man, this ain't sound like, hey, it need more this, it need more that, it need more the next thing. And I just fighting and fighting and fighting with all the controls to try and get this better what they looking for. Mm -hmm. Come to find out. They just wanted, they just wanted to get blast. They yeah. just wanted to get blast away. 
I've worked with people whereas as long as I don't have to go in the front of them monitor, if you don't go deaf, go flipping deaf. <laughs> That I don't have to be on the stage and stuff like that, and it's you blowing your own self away, mm-hmm. and you're not putting anybody else in jeopardy. If you won't be deaf, be deaf. Yeah, do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Do that. But if it, if it gets to the point where it's going to affect me, then I have a problem. And, you know, even even talking about that, you know, it's interesting from denomination to denomination. Yeah. I have to think about, like, if I am invited again to a church to try and um, help them with whatever sound problems they're having, uh, if it's an Anglican church, for instance, that never needs to be that loud. Right. It just needs to be clear. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't need no bunch of bass and stuff like that because it's really just an organ, piano kind of situation. Um, but then if you go into a Baptist or Pentecostal oh, yeah. or something like that, that's, that's full, <laughs> that's full sound. Yes. That's full sound. You need to have all elements. Everything. That's full sound. Yes, buddy. You, and, and they having concerts because they're bringing people from away. <laughs> what? What? They're bringing people from, from all kinds of other different churches that they affiliate with and stuff like that. And, and this, this band got this much. And, and you know, the, the equipment ends up taking quite a beating and I stuff like that for you. You have to kind of think about it. And then, like I said, so certain places I'll go up, like, yeah, y'all don't need no subs. Other places, like, you absolutely have to have subs. This ain't making no sense. Yeah. Unless you have that bottom end there to make this make sense. And so, <laughs> so you just have to, it's, it's a lot of sort of being sensitive to, to what people's needs actually are and then being adaptive. Mm-hmm. Because again, you might come into a situation where you might think that, oh, well, this is a Pentecostal church, for instance, but this particular congregation doesn't like things that loud. Right. They might want it just to be impactful. Right. So you got to sort of be able to know, well, okay, in this situation, if you're in one of it loud, I would recommend these speakers. But since you're all looking more for punch and clarity, let's go with something maybe a little bit smaller or, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so I always, because you said something right there about um, how um, messing up your equipment pretty much by, by being too loud. And I always wonder that, mm-hmm. especially because a lot of churches tend to like that high pitched sound. And I know, like in your car, some bass would sometimes brace your, your subwoofer or something like that. But how does mm-hmm. that affect a speaker, like if you're not tuned properly? And then you have pastors who shout, you know? Yeah. Like, like it, you have to. It is honestly a balance. Like when you say, when you hear somebody say, saying they're mixing, you, 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 the term balance comes up a lot mm-hmm. because that's what it is. You balancing the sound. Like I, the the church that I'm going into on Tuesday after speaking with the bishop, I he he kept on saying that this particular brand of microphone right. he really does he really doesn't like. Right. This is my favorite brand of microphone. Okay. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I all my all my mics, my personal mics are that. And he was telling me that he really, you know, when he upgrades his stuff, he really doesn't want to get this brand because it's just not working for him and this and that and this and that and this and that. So we're talking and talking and talking. And then he mentions to me the kind of speakers he has. Right. And I realized that it's, yeah. I said, I, I could believe that, and then also the kind of board that they have. And I was like, you know what? I believe for sure the same thing that, that, that you're talking about is the problem that they're having, where it's very, very high pitched. Yeah. Because the kind of speakers that it is, 
they are known to be brash. Mm-hmm. And so that means that whenever you mix in, well, if I know that I'm mixing this JBLs, so if I know that I'm mixing through JBLs, I know automatically the overall mix. I got to take out a lot of the highs because the speakers are going to add in a bunch of highs. Ah, there we go. So now the speakers naturally have a bunch of highs in it. And then you turn around and the Sennheiser highs and mics, they kind of top heavy because that's the, the high end is where you get your clarity. Right. It's like the fine, it's like the fine strokes in a in a in a fi- in a fine painting. So um for the for the definition you need the high end there. So those mics have a lot of high end. If you have speakers that are already high pitched, and then on top of that you have uh microphones that are tuned to a high pitch mm-hmm. and you try and play them at a so-called flat or balanced it isn't going to come out sounding like that. It's going to come out sounding really, really harsh. Yeah. And then, too, you know, that's the difference a lot of times between expensive speakers and not so expensive speakers. I know that certain brands, they are really harsh and they're really hard on your ears. It's a club <laughs> that I was working in. Yeah. I have stories for days. I've been doing this for, <laughs> for almost 15 years now. So I, have, I, I just have stories and stories and stories. <laughs> Um, so there's a club uh, that I, I was doing. They had, they used to have live music and they had a particular, I don't, I really don't like the brand, but I don't want to offend any of your listeners. They might, they might have bought a bunch of these speakers and thought they were doing really, really great stuff. Okay. Um, but this particular brand is really cheap and amongst the professional sound community, you know, ain't nobody buying them for real, like, at all. They, like, Tonka toys, basically. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but not as sturdily built. Right. Uh, so, when I went in there, when he first asked me, because the owner of it, when he first asked me to come and check it out and help him to get a good sound in there, he would have me come and do sound checks for the bands just to, to so that if they had a gig that night that everything was nice and balanced and whatnot and whatever changes was made between this band and that band that, you know, it was it was a headache that he didn't have to deal with, basically. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they had these particular kind of speakers in there. And I walk in there, and that used to annoy the mess out of me, how harsh they sounded, because it would hurt my ears. It would be like, you know, the club, so they wanted loud. And it would just hurt my ears, and I was like... Uh, this is this is nonsense. This doesn't make any kind of sense. But that was what they had, and at the time they were not able. You know, they were not even considering getting new no equipment. Ones, yeah. Well, a few, about two years later, they were in a position to get a brand new system. So I spec'd it out for them, and I sourced the gear and everything like that. And when I brought in, because it was like, uh, I think maybe like a Wednesday or. Thursday, I think it might have been Wednesday when the gear reached. No, I lied. Okay, so Wednesday was their karaoke, which was extremely popular. Um, and so a lot of people would be in there on a Wednesday, and then not so much on a Thursday, and then on Friday it was another big flipping crowd, mm-hmm. right? And man, between Wednesday and, th- and Friday, I took down all of the old stuff, and I put in the new stuff, and I replaced everything. And when people walked, though, because a lot of those people from Wednesday, when they walked in on Friday, they could not believe how different the system sounded. And it ended up, I had to be careful at that point because those speakers were much better quality. 
and so the sound wasn't so harsh. So even though the sound was loud in there, it was like deceptively loud. You didn't realize how loud it was. And so you could, I could have damaged a lot of people on myself, air, airs, um, because it, it didn't, it didn't really seem as loud as it was because everything was so clear. Right. That's when a lot of people started to be like, oh, this really is a garbage brand. <laughs> garbage juice. Yeah, because you're saying, what you're coming up now, what I'm hearing, um, anyone who has a sound system from a church to a club to anyone who has something in their place, I would even say home theaters, um, mm-hmm. um, but more so the church. So you have to pay attention to the speaker that you have, the the microphones that you have, and the mixer that you have, because they all have to work together. And yeah. cheaper, well, we know cheaper is not always better. Cheaper is pretty much never, ever really better. It's so, good, it ain't gonna be cheap, and if it's cheap, it ain't gonna be, be good. Well, yeah, exactly. So you can't, you know, people just be like, "Oh, you know, it's a speaker. You just need a speaker. You can, we don't even." You can, yeah, you can, you can, you can get as as good a quality. Now, I want you to sleep and think now that I I think that oh, everything is completely dependent on the equipment. Mm-hmm. You can give me a bunch of work garbage, and I can make it sound better than you could make it sound. True, makes sense. I but know. At the end of the day, it's still not great gear. And if you actually know what you're doing, and on top of that, have quality gear, and it doesn't have to be the most expensive stuff in the world, but it just has to be of a of a decent enough quality, then it really does make a world of difference. Like it's 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 stock, the the difference. And now is one of the best times to be buying equipment, in my humble opinion, because of the way that technology has moved. Um, you know, everybody right now, everybody's using smartphones and touch screens and all the rest of that. Fifteen years ago, that was like completely unheard of. But it was not unheard of in the sound community. And to me, looking at the way we operate these uh, these phones, it is very similar to the digital screens that you have used right. um, on the boards from before. So now, where the analog boards, which are pretty old old fashioned. I mean you can use them if we have a very simple setup and you don't need to get something crazy expensive, whatever, and you know, there are a lot of things working in your favor in the environment. Then you can kinda of get away with a, a analog board. But with if you have more a more complex environment that you're dealing with and more complex things that you need to do, then a digital board is is way better. But the price point on those things has come down so drastically. Yeah. You know? Um, so now you can get a whole lot more for a whole lot less and the brands that are not necessarily the best, the, they took so much of the market share at one point that a lot of the big brands had to find a way to tap into that, into that price point without foregoing quality. Right. And so now you have a lot of really good gear that's not necessarily that expensive available. So if you start to understand the principles of sound, you can really make some things really sound good without having to spend a crazy, ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, even with... um, When I started to do this podcast, because I had to do some research, and of course you go to YouTube and see some things, but I still wasn't comfortable. It's It's been a while. So I started listening to other podcasts to see what people do and what they use and... And I end up making mm-hmm. a few friends along the way. Now, okay. there's this guy in Seattle. Um, they set up 
mean, they have a, a, an amazing setup. They have a whole podcast uh, studio that they rent out different mm-hmm. boots and everything. And we were talking a lot about how sound moves around inside a certain room, how to 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 reduce that type of sound, the type of foam to put on the wall, you know, and things like that, the type of microphones, why he choose one over the other. And he started, he did some videos and we always talk a lot online and he was just showing me like just, just by switching a mic um, with a certain system, how you could get a, a cleaner sound. You know, and again, to me, I just like, but just get a mic in that. It's like, no, man, it don't work that way. And then, so he was showing me one of the boards he have. He was showing me the the board, like you say, digital. Because um, mm-hmm. I'd never seen a digital one. I was like, oh, it's touch screen. And he was just showing how we slide things up and down and how it changes the sound. And again, I'm not, right. I'm not a sound engineer. Or nothing. I say, bro, I just want something to get started with. Um, if it gets too big, I'll bring someone else in. But it was, right. it was so much information. Um, yeah. just for sound. I'm like, but you got to go yeah. through all that. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Wow. Yep. There's, there's a lot of them. And especially, you know, imagine when you're doing a concert and you got a full band to deal yeah. with, then the dynamics are even more. I, 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 cause I, I like doing concert, especially if it's an outdoor concert, but if it's indoor, like I like any kind of outdoor gig, to tell you the truth, mm-hmm. because you don't have to worry about the reflections of the sound. Right. It's just the sound just goes. And so you don't have to be fighting and battling with walls and stuff like that. Um, but it, it becomes dynamic because what a lot of people don't understand with concert stages, especially if it's a fairly big concert, you have a, it's not just one sound system. People look at it as the sound system. Yeah. But the sound system is made up of several subsystems okay. that have to work in tandem with each other in order to make things happen. So what you're hearing as the audience in the front part of the, of the concert, like right in front of the stage, mm-hmm is different if you have a big, like I say, a big concert and they have to put a delay stack. Then you have, that's another separate sound system that has to be time delayed so that you don't hear an echo. Then that's different from what is being heard on stage by the different people on the stage. So what the the keyboard player is hearing, he has basically his own particular sub system mm-hmm. that he's listening to the drummer would have their own system that they are listening to the because they want to hear maybe different elements what the keyboard wants to hear the most of the drummer might not want to hear right. that much of like i've come across a lot of drummers they don't hear background vocalists a lot right they only want to hear the lead the lead vocalist and they want to hear their kick and they don't want to hear their snare at all and they might want to hear their toms and they probably don't want to hear their symbols because that's right in front of them and those are very high pitched so they yeah. got cut through and they could hear that. Right. But then the bass player only wants to hear the drums and his bass mm. and maybe the keyboard player to follow or guitar player to follow the chords and stuff like that. And then the vocalists, they might only want to hear themselves in their monitor. They might only want to hear themselves on the keys in the monitor or something like that. So you have a lot of subsystems going on at the same time to make it work. And then if you're in a church environment, you have all of those same things that I just mentioned, but now you have a lot of different sections. So if it's a big church, you might have a different uh, section that's tied into the main 
uh, church system mm-hmm. for the offices or for foyer or, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of different, they might have a video room where they broadcast in front, so you have to be sending sound to that. Right. Or they might have invited uh, radio or TV, and so they broadcast in, so you got to make sure that that makes sound in like plenty of times. <laughs> like, you know, it's plenty of times people just be rolling dead in their sound. Like, oh, send this guy, never get a sound. That's how what really happened, is that the sound engineer wasn't really checking. Or there wasn't a sound engineer. Yeah, that's uh, true. The sound engineer don't really know what they're doing, or they just they were there, but they were so caught up in in what was happening in the live thing that they didn't pay much attention to the the broadcast feed. Right. So sometimes you would have a situation whereas you have a broadcast engineer that has everything in duplicate mm-hmm. of what the, the 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 house engineer has. So that they can concentrate on getting a nice tight mix for the TV. It sounds good. And then the people who are dealing with the live sound and, and the crowd and everything, they have another mixer there who is just dealing with those people's sound so that you can manipulate the sound in a way that is ideal for that environment. And then you have another mixer who will be on the stage who is taking care of all of the musicians and vocalist needs. Now, so, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like the bigger production and the more complicated it gets, you start to, and then the more, the higher the stakes are. Yeah. Because the people who are in the audience, like if you have a thousand people in the front of you, those thousand people, it should sound better than a thousand people. Right. If the people on the stage can't hear themselves properly and can't hear each other properly, then they're not going to give the best performance that is possible for them to give. So that means that everybody's going to hear garbage. So it's really important for them to be straight. And then if you have people listening at home or you have people listening to an online live broadcast, yeah. then that may sound like right. sense too. And so you want, you might, if you are in a position to do it, then you have somebody who that's, that's what they're dealing with. Okay, making sure that part's straight. It all depends on what you're trying to achieve, how many elements you're trying to incorporate, and and then how how really high the stakes are. You might be in a position where nothing can go wrong. Otherwise, you're screwed. So if nothing can go wrong, you got to make sure to have the people in place so that nothing goes wrong. wrong. So, okay, let's take a big production. Every year we have junk in them. And one, my biggest, okay. my biggest complaint is with Junkanoo, one, I'm not even talking about the commentators. The commentators, their song is usually a little high-pitched to me. Um, I really can't mm-hmm. stand it too long. But why is it that they, I mean, like, how would you do it? I'm always thinking, like, why can't they take a mic to closer to the music? Because here it is in the Rawson Square is where they have the cameras and everything, and they have the dances, and uh, you, know, you know the music way down there. So it's yeah. like, okay, I would like to hear something. I mean, it's a reduction. Okay, no. How does that work? I saw, I saw the most, well, one of the better ways of dealing with it that I've seen in recent years would be like two, two roots practice. I think Pencil, he had a bunch of wireless microphones. Okay. And he had people, um, they, they were on poles. Um, they, he had them taped to, Anyhow, he had regular microphone stands, but then they modified them so that, that, the, that the people who were holding them could walk 
through. Right. And then they were recording each like section wherever that person might be right. as the music moves. So you might have some people closer to the drums, some people closer to the cowbells, and other people closer to the horn. Right. Um, to like the 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 sousaphones or to the the trumpets or to whatever kind of horn it is, right? To try and, and capture the sound. Mm-hmm. And then they could always take all of those tracks and mix it mix it Together. down in the studio later. Right. So that's one way. That's I think that's one of the of the better ways. But the issue with that the way that they were doing it, and I, I'm saying an issue in again in quotation marks, because the recording sounds good. So I don't want nobody coming in my face running on all kind of tape. <laughs> um but I because I also do um, on location sound for TV and film, I know that I would, if it was me, and I could afford it, because it would be an expensive venture, uh, I would prefer to do that with a bunch of shotgun mics that are actually built for that purpose. Right. Um, so that you get a real, and then, uh, you know, there's different approaches. If you want to, if you want to capture that live sound, but the main thing is to be wireless so that you can actually move along with the sound. Yeah. And I don't think that that is what Zedna, because Zedna's house is the exclusive um, broadcast, right? Yeah. For 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 Junkanoot or for the main Junkanoot parade. So um, I don't think that they have in their arsenal the right equipment in order under under manpower. <laughs> um, I'm serious. I don't think that they have enough sound people to pull it off the way that might be the most effective. Yeah to pull it off. Um, and I don't know that they care. Okay, so let's put it this way. Let's switch it around then. If, let's say, one of the larger groups come to you and say, look here, we want to record our music um, coming down mm-hmm. Bay Street. So you would go with the shotgun mic situation? Yeah, I would def- I would go with the shotgun mics. I would probably have one mic, or I'd probably have like a clip-on, a clip-on drum mic um, for whoever the main... Uh, bass drummer was, yeah, and and then I'd have a, probably a couple of different uh uh shotgun mics for for the tom section, and again whoever the main because there's always you know those main guys yeah. that keep everybody in line, mm-hmm. um more get those so you don't need every single drummer you need sort of the main one. Duncan was just a big huge massive sound, yeah, you know what I mean? Much. Um then. Again, the same thing. Um, make sure that you're capturing the the low horns and the mid and high horns um, with another series of of shotgun mics. So I would you would need a team yeah, um, of different people who uh, you are assigned to the section. And when they go, you go. When they stop, you stop. And you have to talk and explain to the jungle groups that, okay, this is what is going to happen and this is how we're going to tackle this so that they don't get annoyed and they understand that, um, you know what I mean, that the, the, the spacing is, is correct. Yeah. So that we don't, we don't have, a, I'm having a drop out here or there and next day, because this person got left behind because they got shoved to the side or, you know, whatever kind of thing like that. But once everybody is working together, then you should be able, and then even again with the like, capturing the whistles and stuff like that, just making this all, and then you know understanding too that all of the different sounds is Junkanoo. So you can have a little bit of bleed in, like the the mics that you have assigned to the horns. You might still you still catch a little bit of drums yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. 
and you still get a little bit of the of the whistles or whatever it is else. But the main thing is that okay, this element is the strongest in this thing, and then when you go back to your um studio, uh, whether it's a professional studio or a, a project studio, then you'll be able to isolate those things and, and tighten it up right. and, and mix it down into something that is saleable. Right, because that's something I actually was talking to a guy. Um, in fact, I'll probably and bring even, Say again? Even if, no, saying even if you don't mix it, you can still, depending on what kind of a mixer and what kind of setup it is, you can... You can broadcast that live too and get a solid decent mix, but it's just that it, you have to again have the right equipment because if you when you're dealing with wireless, then that means that you have to make sure that you have enough battery yep. to last yep. for you know what I mean, or if there needs to be a switch of batteries or you know what I mean to build in those breaks so that that you get everything that you look out to get. Yeah, like I said, set out to get. Because I was wondering, there was a couple of things we were discussing about um, video photography and audio for Junkanoo. Like, why are they not on sale? If I if, I, if they played a tune that I really liked, I want to hear that tune. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you guys not recording that? And even not just the recording, like sometimes you want to hear the crowd, you know, the crowd making that boo. Oh, you know? yes, you, and that is another thing. Again, see, that's where, because, they, okay. You can easily get into probably about 12 or 16 tracks at that time. Wow. Then you start to incorporate the the, um, the crowd, the audience track. Right. It's called audience track. So if you you if you start to, to if you want to get it, all of that, this is going to make it much more realistic. Then, um, yeah, you you have you have just where you have to start. That's why I said it can get expensive. The, the ideal way that I am thinking about doing it, I don't even know where where in NASA I could get all of that all equipment together at one time. <laughs> uh, like that's, a, that's literally a special project. Yeah. But <sighs> I'm not saying that's not doable, and I'm not saying that you can't um, sort of make compromises and make do with uh, certain other things. I'm just saying, you know, ideally, because the reason why I'm saying I, I keep on pushing that, I have had the experience, you know, with when I was doing that kind of work, the on-location work yeah. um, in the hotel, because, you know, I, and when, when it comes to hotels and, and luxury properties and whatnot, um, I would have worked with a lot of live bands and gone in as the live sound engineer. Right. And in the last few years, I've been doing a lot of, of uh, on-location sound for TV and film. So I might go in with a film crew. Right. Um, same gig, but a completely different kind of a role. Mm. And, um, you know, they will have these banquets or parties or whatever it is. And then at some point they'll have like colors or, or outside entertainment. One of those uh, smaller groups come and put on like a junk canoe showcase for the tourists or for whatever guests, official wedding or whatever it is. Right. Fine. Um, but I did a video shoot, and I was shocked because I was using a new set. I was using a, a, a different setup, I should say, um, even for the on-location sound. Mm-hmm. And then I was using the, the shotgun mic with the blimp system and the, and the furry. I was listening to how the jungle was coming in through that, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. If I had four of these, or if I had six of these right now, oh, God. Mm-hmm. 
you know what I mean? That that would make a massive huge difference. That would be so much fun to listen to because so that made me understand that it is possible to capture because I only had one mic listening to it and it was great. Yeah. And so I was like that um if 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 we can start utilizing that kind of setup instead, then we might see much better results. But I think a big part of the problem is the fact that Zedness I'm not going to because, you know, everybody's <laughs> got to live. But, um, they, they doing what they can do. That's all they can do. They, 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 the best they you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't think that they, um, that's not, the, that's not a big massive priority yeah. for them. They, it's, you know, it's just another thing that they're capturing. So they just doing whatever it is that they got to do to get through this situation and then move on to the next gig and move on to the next gig. And so really sitting down and, and, and putting a bunch of thought behind it and also having that confidence that the money is going to come behind it so that you can have the kind of gear in place that would be most suitable for that situation. You know, the, that's, that's a difference as well. So talking about like TV shows, okay, now we have Cable Bahamas and they know that they're doing some commercials and things that they're putting out there. And I, I think it's pretty good. It's not too bad. I think they're getting a good team together. Even, I mean, like, I think they're... Yeah, they're a decent team. So I think it's a difference, whereas when you have a network or a company that, that relies on people to advertise for you to make extra money, then you're going to put in that money just to get the good song and equipment versus that Ness yeah. is just like, yeah, we're just putting it out there because people want to see it. And we but have I mean, to. It's, it's, it's government versus, yeah. versus private at the end of the day. And so people's priorities would obviously be kind of different. The level of, of quality that they're delivering, the expectation of the customers and stuff like that. And then the bottom line at the end of the day, like I don't know what ZNS budget is in the great scheme of things. I am certain that, and then the, the bureaucracy and stuff like that, I'm certain that table can make decisions faster and that they have more money that they can pump into it and that they probably have more people who are really vested in in delivering the highest quality thing that they are able to deliver with what they have and, and and they're probably in a position as well to upgrade their equipment more often yeah, I think so. But speaking on that side, let's switch over to um, commercials now. Okay. I, I this is my kind of my pet peeve because I'm a couple of things I'm always looking at when I see local Bahamian commercials. One, okay. I'm looking at the video. Two, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm definitely watching the lighting because I'm, I'm sticking it for lighting. I I, I pay yeah. attention to that. And then three, what I found, like you said, if that sound is off, like, but you messed up the entire thing, you know. Yeah. Now. Over the years, um, people just was getting by with whatever equipment they had. And they just was recording something. You know, the, the the normal thing, they show the outside with a little pan. Then they show inside the store. And, oh, would you like this? And we're going to do this. And, you know, that high-pitched person's voice who speak so so polite. You know, it doesn't usually fit. But, you know, they... And not, us- not usually actually using real microphones. Right. And so you get a lot of ambient noise. And it ah. sounds like they're in the hallway and you can hear every single time. I, yeah, I'm I like, what's going on? Yeah. Now, like I said, that's why I brought up Kiel Bahama. Because I don't... I, I know I saw a part of the team before. I think I know some of the persons who may be on it. I don't know. 
But um, the work that they started pushing out, I'm looking at them like, it's pretty good. You guys pretty good. There was one in particular. Um, I can't remember the commercial was about. I was so busy looking at the details. They were outside with this kid riding the bike and the, the father was behind them. And they, they came up with a good storyline. The sound was good. It didn't sound as if it was far away. I'm like, boy, they spent some money for this. Yes, they well, they do. And then what what Cable Bahamas does is that they they will outsource entire crews oh. in order to do the certain commercials. And the same thing with like BTC. So I've been um, a part of crews where the client was Cable Bahamas, right. or where the client was um, BTC or something like that. And so, the, you know, BTC always has really nice commercials. Um, and that's why, because they do make the investment to hire a, a crew where there's like a, a director and there's a director of photography right. and there's like a cameraman and then like a real camera assist. And then they have like an actual gaffer on set and they have like an actual uh, grip mm-hmm. on set mm-hmm. and they have actual um like a person that all they deal with is the wardrobe and stuff like that so it's a it's a completely different level of production if they what they do in and then what they do in house is pretty decent too but a lot of times for their commercials they do like i said they do outsource to um to local film um, production companies right. to um to execute certain projects Mm, that's good. So for things like that, like if you're doing a commercial, um, how do you how do you get the song on that? Let, okay, let's take for example. I don't know if you remember one. It, de- it depends on what the how the commercial is. So, oh, that, oh, that was what I kept on forgetting when we were talking about about the film process, the ADR. So there are certain parts of the the when you're doing a, a movie or a TV show that you might um, they they'll record the actual song. And then they'll go back in studio and re-record right. it in a sort of pristine situation. Right. Um, so it's kind of like lip-syncing the script kind of thing. Yeah. So you have a lot of that uh, or voiceover. Right. Um, that, so that would be like your narrator, basically. Um, so they, you kind of you would have that same situation in in doing commercials. Whereas I, I would see a lot, and it's a, it's a trick, I think. <laughs> but you, yeah, because they'll they'll shoot a lot of things that doesn't require any actual sound, yeah. and then they just take all the sound out, throw some music on that, put a narrator over the top yeah. of that, boom, awesome it. commercial. Yeah. Or, but if if the person has to speak, um, then they would have to hire a sound person for. To capture that that on location thing, even if they capture that on location thing, sometimes all that is used for is a reference. So that when they go into the studio, that when they try to recreate that scene to get the timing and everything right yeah. to overlay onto that, then um, that's that's what they use as a guide to get like the inflections and the intonations correct, so that your mouth. What you say in the way you say in it, they look like the mouth that I watch in yeah. is actually, you know what I mean? <laughs> Mind you, I I remember watching this documentary about Walt Disney, and um, this was close to World War Two or something like that. And he was talking about air power, and they was talking behind the scenes how we had to do the scene over and over and over again. So they they mm-hmm. they pulled back and they watched it like he was sitting behind a desk. And there was a cue that was given behind the camera for him to get up from the desk and walk around the front. Now, mm-hmm. um, 
What they didn't, what you couldn't see was that there was an X on the floor. So that was his mark. And there was right. a mic that was there. A mic was actually there. So the time it took him to get up, he couldn't speak because the, the, they had enough uh, whatever equipment at that time to follow him as he talked. So he spoke while mm -hmm. he's sitting on. He got up and walked around. And when he hit that mark again, he was right on the mark to speak there. Then he walked over to a chalkboard. And again, that was another mark where he had to stand in this particular mm -hmm. point. So just mm -hmm. seeing that behind the scenes thing and how they had to make that work um, because they were limited on the amount of things that they could have do. The lights were already set up in certain places. The, the microphones are set up in certain places and they had to hit these marks properly. So that was a, like a documentary thing. But even with the commercials, um, like nowadays, you, you, like you say, you could follow with a, with a shotgun mic. If you have, if you have to talk in, in the scene or like you say, dub over or, or do another voiceover, yeah, you know, there's a lot of different things. And then, you know, it, it, there's so many different, cause it depends on the writing of the, of the, of the commercial in the first place. So, or if it's a show, whatever, it really depends on the, on the writing and what the location is and, and things like that are really massive factors in, in how, how you're going to approach using this footage. So hold on. How about this though? You, do you remember um, the twilight zone? Now, again, being a kid watching this, what used to happen? You this? like to go. You like to go so far back in time. Like all these references you use here, people really gonna remember these things. You, you got a bunch of old. I got, I got old people. Boy, you know what? Go look on YouTube. Y'all, y'all, young folks, go on YouTube. Look up the Twilight Zone and watch what happens. Oh, okay. They start the show off like you know, just everything. It's like an intro. They show what's going on. And even mm. though things are going on in the background, the narrator would walk in, but the sound would fall off, and you only hear his voice. And I always right. found it like, boy, that that's solid. <laughs> Not knowing all this stuff at the time, we just used to walk mm -hmm. in. Here's young little Johnny. He's running down, and he's this is you know he did his thing, and like Johnny's still running in the background, like but there's no song, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Not knowing this the type of stuff they were working with back then. Yeah, that, that was a whole reference. Sorry, but let me tell you something. I was just talking about uh, about this with my mom a couple of weeks ago. When I was a kid, I you couldn't tell me. Like with family matters, you couldn't tell me that wasn't a real family, like full house and stuff <laughs> like that. You could not tell me that these camera people and they was following a real family. Like, wow, they they let. I mean, I wonder how they. And you just couldn't tell me that that wasn't a real thing. Yeah. I had this. I had this major disconnect. And now that I'm older and I get to be on the films, that I find it so incredibly amazing how many people are behind the camera. You have yeah. two people in front of the camera and literally like 15 to 30 other people behind who would have set that, that, that one scene, scene up. up. <laughs> just to make it look believable. Yeah, if you go on my Instagram, I just posted some some like sort of behind the scenes of a couple of different things of movie shoots and stuff that I was on, and that big film machine two for two on Instagram, I believe. But um, I just posted a, a few pictures of some of short films that I was working on earlier this year at the beginning of the year, and it's the same thing. It's like I, it's just you would be it's, it's amazing. For every seven sec seconds of film that you see on the show or on TV, it's like an hour of, of shooting. 
Right. A lot of people don't realize that, you know. And I, I, I would have never understood yeah. how much, like it's a lot of hurry up for me. I would have never understood how intense and how many people are involved. Truly, you don't really know until you are in the position of actually doing it. It'd be like, mother said, this, this is different. <laughs> Uh, just for this one person who's talking in front of the camera and there's so many, yeah. and then, okay, you got a mistake. So you, okay, cut, you got to do it again. Relax. Let's get the makeup. That's why you got to, you got to respect, um, actors and stuff yeah. like that for sure. Yeah. Because especially if it's like a really intimate or a high, a highly emotional scene or something like that, that they're recreating, like you only seeing them on the screen. But it's literally when little 50 people behind all staring at them because everybody, like, it's, it's intense. It's like everybody is on board with the moment being successful. Right. And so, you know, it's like everybody's counting on everybody at that point. Then the, so the lighting and the sound have to be on point. And the director need to be in the right place. And the, the director of photography got to be in the right place. And the camera and the camera assist, like I said. And if you have a few grips and you have a couple of gaffers and you get... You have your wardrobe and just and, and then a bunch of like production assistants and all the rest of it. It, it ends up being all of these different people, and you have production assistants who have assistants. So it's it's all these different layers in order to to make a lot of the media that we take for granted happen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that's one thing that people don't realize. Now, so let's go into some. Um, understanding of what's actually happening the thing uh, that they use like you say it's you nobody know, shotgun mic explain what a shotgun mm -hmm. mic is first of all okay so a shotgun mic it's a long usually a long skinny microphone but it is a it's a, a directional microphone so you have different uh it's a the that would refer to the polar pattern and that basically means that when you point it at something in particular, it rejects all the sound around it except what it is that you're pointing it to. And so what other type of mics are there? If that's just one type, what other ones are there? You have omnidirectional microphones. So omnidirectional, in a, like they get a, all in a big circle all around that microphone head. They're capturing evenly all of that sound. Then you have cardioid microphones which they are pointing in a particular direction, but not, um, not so, what's the word I want to use? Like, it, they, it has a little bit of a spread. It's not as directional as a shotgun. Like a shotgun is, is like whatever you're pointing at, that's what it's capturing. Uh, a cardioid mic will literally in a certain area, a certain direction is going to go. Then you have like a, a, a the super cardioid, which is a little bit more pointy, but rejects the sound on the sides. Um, then you have like a hyper cardioid, and then you have like super hyper cardioid, which is more of like the shotgun mic where like super directional. Then you also have something called a, a bi-directional mic, whereas um, that's usually used for like if you're recording a duet, for instance, yeah. or you might 
uh, be doing maybe a, a broadcast, an uh, interview broadcast, and, and you have one person on either side of the microphone. Like, microphones have a front and a back. I think a lot of people don't realize. They just think that, oh, it's a microphone. It's just going to pick up whatever. No. Yeah. Depending on the polar pattern and stuff like that, they, and they you have certain microphones, like the, a gaff, I should say. The, uh, at the beginning of this COVID thing, there was a concert with Lady Gaga. Yeah, Lady yeah, Gaga, yeah. and that microphone was backwards. That was a twenty thousand dollar microphone, and that concert, that COVID concert, was black because it was like a charity thing. I think Jimmy Kimmel and a bunch of them was putting together, and and she sang her song, and she had set that up at home. You know what I mean? And her twenty thousand was a big, big joke on on <laughs> on a bunch of uh, online groups that I'm in there. The microphone, they you know they didn't have the crew there to set these things up, so they did it themselves. And then they're like, I wonder, I'm wondering why she sounded far away in the seventh because the microphone was was um, in the wrong, facing the wrong way. Uh, they have a lot of, they have a lot of different. There's so many different kinds of microphones. So you have microphones. A lot of times they are designed to capture certain situations or certain uh, sources, ideally. So you have certain microphones, for instance, that are designed for drums. You see how then that's a high impact sound. So you don't, you can't use the same kind of drums. I mean, you can't use the same kind of microphone for a drum necessarily that you might use for a vocalist instead of a jazz vocalist. Right. Because certain things, you know, they um, um, you can actually damage depending on the kind of microphone. So if it's a condenser microphone, because of the elements on the inside and the way that they interact with each other, you could actually damage the microphone if the the sound is just too loud or too strong for a sustained period of time. It just doesn't work on particular situations. Um, you, and then you'll have different kinds of drums again. I mean, different kinds of microphones again that are ideal for different kinds of drums. You have some uh, microphones that are designed more to pick up details and nuances and stuff like that. Then you have other ones that are more rugged because they are designed for for that high impact of maybe a horn or the type of vocal. So you know, you don't necessarily use the same kind of microphones or rapper that you would use for um, somebody who was singing jazz or, or R&B. So the whole thing is you just need to know what type of microphone you need. You just can't pick up, like, hey, yeah. let me just pick up this microphone and look good. Like, even, like, if you, even, even if you pick up this kind of because I've had plenty of situations where I didn't have an ideal microphone that I needed, but I had to make it work. So you don't have to understand how to manipulate using the mixer, how to manipulate the sound of that microphone in order to um, recreate the ideal sound that you're going for. Right. So that's interesting, just to try to figure that out. Again, the average person is not a song engineer, but if you're going to go with a big production, it's best just to get someone to know what they're doing because you could just end up with the wrong type of thing. Like those old, those old, um, I've seen people use it in photographs. It's like those uh, big silver microphones you know, a super fifty-five. Right. Um, someone told me say the song on them is not that good, but it looks good in pictures. Garbage. <laughs> but it, literally, 
literally. They're not, they're, you know, they're whatever. But, and they don't just look good in pictures. They look good on stage, too. <laughs> so why would people try to use them on stage, though? What, they just wanted to say mine is look good? Like we're going to be doing look, something? Yeah. Wow. Yo, you, this is your first introduction to the fact that people are vain. Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> yes, for the look. Just for the look of it. But, but, but I, I mean, when I say, when we say that they're not the best sounding, they're not the worst sounding for sure. You know what I mean? They're not horrible. They, you know what you do and you have otherwise good stuff. You have a good, decent mixer. You got a good, decent sound system like speakers and whatnot. You know, you can make it sound good. Mm. That's quite interesting. But if you, if you just hardcore, you want to get the best sound possible, that might not be. And if you have the budget for it, that must, and, and don't get me wrong, that's still like a $250 mic. Jeez. And that's a, a $250 mic is a cheap mic. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. You got to, when you start getting into studio mics, yeah. ain't nobody taking you serious if the mic is less than $400. And even that is still entry level. And then, like, the kind of microphones that I would actually like for a student situation, you're looking at $1,000 and above. Yeah, I know. And then, like, like I said, like, yeah. Why like, talk, talk to me, say the same thing. Yeah, they could be expensive. Yes, my, they really do. There's, there's this uh, Earthworks. They have some, they have a drum mic system. I'm like, I almost cry when I see the price on that. It's like three microphones <laughs> and, and seven, seven grand. <laughs> And then, like I said, that microphone that Lady Gaga was using was a twenty thousand. Just a microphone by itself that didn't come with a cable. (laughs) Twenty grand. You know the sound. See, um, sound seems very similar. You know, I always compare it to like how photography is. And like you say, some person would come to you like, "Oh, I just need a camera." Well, you know, just starting in camera, a cheap camera is about four hundred dollars. Let's go with that. Exactly. And then. As you go up, the price go up. Like um, the first time I shot with uh, a Hasselblad, a Hasselblad, and this was an old Hasselblad, by the way. The camera body mm-hmm. was twenty five thousand dollars. The lens was yep. eighteen thousand yeah. dollars. So I shoot with almost like a forty thousand dollar piece of equipment. Like, but that's, that's, yeah. that's some people at home. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, that's like when I go on with like okay, the last shoot that I did, the last international shoot that I did it was with National Geographic, mm-hmm. and it was. Hilarious because it was like a three day shoot. Yeah. It's three days, two and a half days, something. Anyway, um the camera that they were using, the camera setup that they were using, that was eighty thousand dollars. Sounds of a drive. So <laughs> I want you to trust and believe now the camera guy, he was awesome. Like he was so humble, but he was so smart mm-hmm. and like he was just great. Um quiet but like every time he spoke it was like you had to listen it's like okay john john is speaking now everybody <laughs> but but um but he he always said very meaningful things but this camera he was like a warrior protecting this yes. camera so when yes. we would go to a restaurant on our lunch breaks to eat he had the camera the camera had its own chair oh yeah you see, right? that wasn't getting leaves in the vehicle don't care how safe you say it is no, that's coming with that. <laughs> and they're gonna, yes, and 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 even the eighty thousand is not necessarily the most expensive no, camera that I've been on set with, because like you say, the lenses are in color. You 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 have a camera like those red cameras. The the body of it is like six thousand yeah. dollars, and then the lens is like eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
I'm like, I, I can't stand a video for that because it's like it, it, the piece of equipment looks so small yeah. and have all these little buttons and stuff like that. And it's like crazy. They'll have like a case and the case has like eight lenses in it. And then that, that case that one person could carry and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's about a hundred thousand dollars worth of lenses. <laughs> and it's like, oh, come on. Now, I don't know about you who's criminally minded who's listening to this to try and go take these things because they're so very specific. If you try and sell them, you can get caught. You're getting caught, exactly. There's a a very, very, very small market for these things. You don't find them everywhere, exactly. No. (laughs) Yeah, so when it comes to these these equipment, I mean, if you take your your art serious, and I would consider um, audio as an art form, like you say, like the psychology behind it and the things that you have to deal with with people and, and having to balance um, sound depending on where you are and what the people want. Like that's an art form, you know, to express the, uh, uh, a sound in a way that no one else could do it, you know. So these things become very expensive. And then the more you learn about it, the more you want to, the more the more you want to take it higher. But like you say, yeah. that 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 price range looks at you like, yeah, you, you want me? <laughs> you got to pay for this. You know, it's quite interesting. Yes, yes. It's all about how seriously you take yourself and how creative. Because what it, what it boils down to is control. How many different elements of what's going on you are able to control. So your basic controls will be like the volume and you have like basic um, control over each channel or the highs, the lows and the mids. But then you might want to be able to control it. Like, as you do that enough, then you'll be like, man, it's a frequency, man. I can't really, I, I won't get to it. I can't. So I need, I need a board that's going to give me the high, yeah. the high mids, the low mids, and the sub. You see what I'm saying? Then, as you even doing more and more, I say, man, I need a graphic EQ because this is this couple's particular frequency. It's a problematic in this room or in this environment, and I need to be able to yuck them out. And then, as you get in, be like, man, this is just EQ. Yeah. Then be like, oh man, you know, this solid. I get all these subs, matter of fact. Okay, I, I want, I want, I want get a sub harmonic. This, that, this, that. So the impulse, you really feel it. Instead of just hearing that water, you feel up that image. Well, yeah. I, when I'm mixing the bottom end, I want to be, I want to disrupt your, your, your pacemaker. If you have a pacemaker, don't come to where I mix it. <laughs> don't, don't be right up on the speakers because I'm trying to, I'm trying to disrupt your entire heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when you take it to that point, whereas, yeah, we could, we could take this to another so, level. There's a, yeah, and then, you know, we start getting into the different kinds of effects, dynamic effects, and then the regular, like, songs, like the, the reverb and, delays and stuff like that you can in a live situation set it up in a 5.1 sort of configuration or maybe if you're in the studio you are designing your sound and and you want it to have that um 5.1 or 7.1 or 10.1 feel or you might want to give the audience some kind of weird crazy uh feeling so you want to do some panning that is going to like, you know, they'll feel the sound moving from one direction to the other direction. And the more kinds of things like that is you try to incorporate into, into that's, that's the part of it where the sound engineer gets to be creative. Because, you know, somebody wrote the song, and somebody else singing the song, and they have these different musicians playing, and they're applying their part of the creativity to it. 
And then once that is straight and they hear what they need to hear, and coming out of the speakers and everything, that's when the engineer gets to play. Because now I can I can make it sound like, oh, we're in a cathedral. Yeah. Or I could give yeah. it an effect that we're on a in an arena. Or I can give it an effect where we're it sounds like we're in a in a studio or in a in a in a club with brick walls versus a club with linoleum tile. I mean linoleum tiles or you know what I mean? I can start getting very sudden and I can make it sound like these people singing on this side and make it sound like this song coming from this way and you know, like I remember what was really impactful to me. I went to a junior gong concert in Canada. Mm-hmm. Boy, now that's when I was in school. I go on. I stand directly in front of <laughs> in front of the sound engine and he was directly across the front of the stage. And when the concert started, the drummer came out and he stopped monkey. When he started kicking the kick drum, I talk about it. Like I start seeing colors number one <laughs> and every color was coming off me like it was coming like a spare, just shooting the string. I'm looking at that little geeky looking little white guy, you know what yeah. I mean? And I was just like, by who this dude is? What is this to that? Amazing. And then when he started hitting the tones, it was like all of them was coming as a different kind of weapon, man. And they were coming at you and they were hitting you, but they were coming up from different directions. I was like, this is, this is awesome. That's the difference between, you know, a good sound engineer, like a really, a really great sound engineer. Yeah. They, they turn it into an entire experience. And it's not just that you hear some kind of a flat sound like you it becomes literally this character in the room. That sounds like when you go to, I don't know if you ever listened to, um, what's the guy named? Steve Aoki. He he does, um, <clears throat> what's the type of music is that? That's that, hot, oh gee, I don't even know the name. Why can't I remember the name of the type of music it is? But that, do, 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 and like different tones. Oh, like, like the, the um, tones? Yeah, something sort of like that. And, him, because the first time I heard one, he had one with, uh, he has a song with um, Luke, yeah. Laid Back Luke. Okay. And yeah. man, look here, if you listen to that on the surround sound, like like you say, that music coming from all different directions. Yeah. You know, and he's like mixing it from left, right, back. And he was like, what the hell? <laughs> Your head just started to spin. And like you say, that's just, hey, that's just good sound. That just giving you the yep. experience, you know, it's not just music that coming from one yeah, direction. It's, but... it's 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 technical again, but in order to get you to the, you have to understand the technical part of it in order to get in order to get to the point where um, you can start being creative and doing sort of surprising things or fun things yeah. that people can understand as as actually happening. But you have to actually get to that point. So getting to that point means knowing what kind of cables and what kind of connectors and what kind of microphones and what kind of speakers and where to place those microphones. Mic placement is a whole thing. Um, and and then as you get into that, then you have, now you have your canvas set up and then you can start, as people start playing, then you can start um, doing what you got to do. So, all right, let me switch gears for a second because the question came to my mind just now. As we're talking about all this, our location here in the Bahamas, how far do you feel you can go in this field of song engineering? And let me, let me just let me just lay it a little bit further than that. Of course, mm-hmm. I got to look at it from my perspective. Let's say 
me as a photographer wanting to take mm-hmm. it to the next level. Like I can't reach that level of natural geographic level here in the Bahamas. I have to leave this country in order to take it to that level. Like you say, you're learning it. Mm-hmm. And there's a point that you learn a lot, not only just by seeing other people, but you by doing it, working with other teams and, and learning little tricks of the trade as you go with different persons that are more experienced than you. Like there's a point that when you so far, I can go here in the Bahamas. But like when persons come over and you work with them and you be surprised how many things you don't know. So how far is it uh, as you as a sound engineer, how far do you think you can make it in this country? Okay. I, first of all, don't necessarily share all of the beliefs that you just uh, espoused. Okay. Number one. Um, I, I guess you have, or we get the opportunity, I should say, to uh, work with a lot of crews from various places all over the world because we're in the Bahamas and, and we have so many uh, luxury landings, basically. Um, and people, you know, they come here, they want to party and, and they expect a certain caliber of party to happen. Um, and you have a lot of big companies come and do their um, their thing, whether it's a banquet or they're having a conference or they're doing a movie shoot or whatever it is. You do have a lot of high-end people come here. But I don't think that we are so very unique in the great scheme of things when you start talking about how far you can go. Because even in the States and, and different places in Europe and just anywhere in the world, if you're from a jurisdiction with a small population, you're not going to have as much. So it doesn't really matter if I'm in the Bahamas versus in, in the Bahamas, I might have more opportunity to use a certain level of equipment than somebody in a small town in the United States. Okay. Because they're, they're not having all of these different productions from all over the place come to their small town. They have to go to a city. You see what I'm saying? So they have to go to some place that is known for that. And then they will end up having that opportunity. And once they get there, then the opportunities are much bigger. And, and, you know, because so much is going on, if you're in a place where there's millions of people, then that means so many more people who are, who are using these kinds of services. And so that means that there's a market for renting equipment. Like right now here in the Bahamas, we don't have... Like even the equipment that is available to rent is not necessarily that high end, and it right. still is out of reach to a lot of technicians. Yeah. Um, to rent on a regular basis versus like this different mixes that I could rent if I was in the states for for on location sound that might maybe cost me maybe fifty dollars to rent, but it's actually like a three thousand dollar piece of equipment. Yeah. Um, versus over here, I just completely don't have access. To that. That said, um, so in a way, yes. But um, so I, I, I don't think that it's possible to reach a high level because, again, we have so many constantly all the time people from around the world bringing various kinds of productions to the Bahamas. And so you do get to have the experience to use a lot of different kind of gear. It's just that all of our venues are so very small. And even though there are a lot of productions going on, it's still not as much as in any big city anywhere else in the world. So you would have to travel. But I think most people 
even in those countries, and if they didn't grow up in that particular city, they still have to travel in order to be able to have access to that kind of gear as well. So, you know what I mean? And to be able to have those experiences and to be able to set themselves in such a way whereas they might uh, jump on a tour or something like that and then they get to travel the entire country with a sound company or with whatever level of production to um, to go to various venues and be able to set up these big stuff. And then, But then sometimes even them, they get stuck in a box because let's say you get on a crew whereas it's a successful band or something like that. And yeah, you might be dealing with top of the line stuff, but then you might only, they, this might be the only stuff that you always use all the time. And you don't necessarily get to deal with a whole bunch of different things. Like I've gotten to deal with a lot of different things, a lot of different brands, a lot of different people. And I love that experience from over here. So I don't know, like when you say, how far do I think I can take it? Yeah. I think that my goals, it really depends on what your goal is. My goal is not to have the biggest sound production company. I'm not interested in being the biggest, baddest one. I'm not interested in having the most equipment kind of thing. I am interested in more of a boutique kind of feel. I want to have really, I want to have nice stuff. I don't necessarily need the volume of stuff. I want to work on cool projects. The, the, what the project actually is, is much more important to me than being able to say, well, I have more speakers than you. <laughs> but I mean, you laughing, but you have some people lost their goal. Their goal in life is to be like known as the best sound engineer in the Bahamas. I'm like, yeah. I really want to that. I want to work with as many different people from the Bahamas and from all over the world so that whenever, and it already has happened enough times, whereas... I work with somebody from New York. They had a good experience with me. So when they hear of a different crew coming down here for something, oh, they have a sound mixer in the Bahamas. Her name is Tracy. Look her up. And then I get a call. So pretty much, because that's, that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point that you brought up there. So it all depends on where you want to be in your life with it. Like yeah, if, and then if, the, 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 sorry, I'm not cutting you off, but... Just to add on to it is that the internet is the great equalizer as well. And I don't think that we should underestimate that because I can, any piece of equipment that exists, I can go and download the manual for free. And so now it's incumbent upon me to find the time to go through that manual, find the time to go through any tutorials, that might be available on, on YouTube or on their website or something like that. Um, so that I can learn about these pieces of gear so that I can make good decisions when I'm buying stuff. Or if I know that a crew is coming from somewhere and this is what it is that they are bringing, that I have an idea of how to navigate. Because again, it was down to the principles. So we're in a position right now. I Listen, the level of of, of, of film productions that come to the Bahamas on a regular basis is amazing, okay? It's amazing. But if you talk to local film production companies, they'll be like, oh, it don't make no sense behind this. It don't make no sense behind that. That's so expensive and here nobody is really... And I just feel like, but I just do six shows 
and the guys from away, this is what they bought for all six of them. And that was in the space of like two months. Like, what do you, what do you mean? And that was just stuff that I was involved in. That doesn't mean that that was the only, those were the only productions that came. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? People using these things in the Bahamas all the time. So now it's like, you have to sort of take that risk and believe in yourself and say, you know what? Um, we haven't this level of people come here on a regular basis. We need to start buying this kind of equipment. We need to start educating ourselves on using this kind of equipment and different techniques and stuff like that so that we can offer these services and utilize the Internet to advertise and all the rest of that so that they understand and they know to actually take the interest. A lot of film companies and film uh, production companies, they are, are owned by video guys. And right. the video guys are not sound guys. And so they don't care. And even the, a lot of the sound guys, so-called, who work um, almost exclusively in the video field, they still, at heart, they are video guys who happen to specialize in sound because there was a, there was a need or something like that. If, if you start to... Because a few years ago, nobody in the Bahamas had a red epic. Now you've got a couple of people who no, there. Yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Like, I was, everybody was using the, you know, like, the DL, DSLRs DSLR. when they came out. Yeah. All kinds of people. But as, 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 as you see the usefulness of these things and as the, the market demands more and more of, of the quality, you have to sort of move with that. So I'm never going to say, well, oh, the opportunity is not here. The money is definitely here. We have the richest set of people in the world coming here all the time. And they're doing all kinds of different things. And they're willing to spend the money as long as they're confident that you're going to be able to deliver a product to them that is worthy of them. So, it's, again, you have to sort of get and do whatever you have to do. And a lot of that starts with educating yourself um, on how to be able to, to give them what they require. And then you'll be able to, to sort of make it. And that creates opportunities because at the end of the day, if you do a really good job, if you're really great to work with, if you, if you take the time to increase your knowledge and, and, and especially learn about the equipment and about whatever new techniques that are available and how to integrate things um, with others. So, like, I am not a video person, but it's, it behooves me to learn about what cameras are going to be used so that I could know, well, if, I'm, if they're using this camera, then I need this kind of cable with these kind of connectors, or I need these adapters in order to make it work kind of thing, and then to have them yeah. on hand so that when um, a production comes, you know, we, we isolate it, at least if you're in the States, and you need something right quick, you could send somebody to a store and they, and they generally have it. Or even if you order it, it doesn't take that long to come. But here, you know, it's, it's a lot of prep. It's a lot of prep yes. in order to make sure. I, would, I, I mean, I understand for sure what you're saying, that it is limited um, in a lot of ways. But then again, that it's also about your personality. I don't think that as a Bahamian or somebody who is working here, you can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be very versatile. Um, but people always tell you, people always tell you opposite. Or oh, you need, what do they say? Uh, you can't be the master. What is, um, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm glad you bring that up. 
Let's talk about that. The full, Let's that's the full that. saying is jack of all trades, but master of none is, um, what else called jack, a jack of all trades, but master of none is oftentimes better than a master of one. That's the actual saying. Ah, oh. Now that changes, that changes the whole thing. The entire thing. Wow. Yeah, that changes the whole entire yes. thing. Because I'm I'm always trying to tell people like there's no way you could do one thing in no, this country. You, there's no. no way. No. You have to know a little about right. a lot. <laughs> and again, even when you like you say your productions come over here, if you don't know certain things about your job, but you should know, but know a little bit about the the camera and the 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 lighting and so on and so forth, or the production and know how things work. I don't want to work with you because you don't understand how exactly. this thing works. You got to know a little about exactly. a lot. Exactly, and it's just even understanding the basic procedures and 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 what is expected of you in terms of your behavior on the set or in any given environment. So the way that I operate, if it's a concert, I have to know. I have to have an understanding of all of the different people who are involved. I have to have at least a basic understanding of what their needs are at any given point in the production. So I have to know that, okay, the riggers are gonna have to come in and they are the ones who are gonna set up the stage and do the roofing system and all the rest of that. And then the lighting guy has to come and start setting up his lights and all the rest of that. Yeah, and then right. at that point, that's when we can start setting the, the, the PA system and all the rest of it. And then once the roofing system is up in the air, then we're in a position to start putting instruments and equipment on the stage and all the rest of that. And then after that, it's sorted out, you know, if I, I might be the, the lead engineer, but I may very well be the assistant. So if I'm operating as the assistant, then I need to know what the lead engineer is going to need and try to be um, preemptive to make the whole situation go smoother and all the rest of that. And I need to understand the relationship between the monitor engineer and the front of house engineer versus the stage manager versus the main producer of the entire thing and all of their different concerns. And then what the concerns would be of the musicians. You see what I'm saying? Same fed way, yeah. if I'm on a film set, then I need to have an understanding of what all the director's needs are going to be and what the production, um, the producer and the executive producers are going to be expecting and needing at any given time. I have to know when to shut up. It's very important to, to exactly. shut the hell up um, <laughs> yes. and be quiet. And so you have to know when to be quiet, but then you also have to know when to speak up because they are deep. Speak you up. are the sound yeah. person. So you, they, you have to speak up at certain points. Like I have to let them know well, hey, um, we got to stop this part of the interview because of plane. We got to yeah. stop because um, traffic, you know what I mean? I, I hear sirens. We got to stop. And they're going to start that part of the interview all over again or whatever it is. But that part of the shoot, it might be a, a sitcom or a movie or something like that. But you got to be listening out for these things. You got to know when to talk, when to shut up. You know what I mean? You have to know how to move around each other. So actually... Um, where to be so that you could be where you're supposed to be or be out of the way as the case may be. So all of these things, it's, yeah. it's a lot of different sensitivities that I guess over the years you, you will have to sort of build a bunch of different muscles in order to um, 
because knowing how to use the equipment is like basic at that point. You ha- you you suppose yeah, you suppose exactly. that you know you saying this is the function that you come on. That's your job. So yes. you need to definitely know that. And so now it's more it, it becomes more about understanding your role in the great scheme of things and um, relationships, making sure that you are an agreeable person to work with. And that you are, are reliable exactly. and, and that kind of a thing. I know a few times, um, like you mentioned, when you have uh, persons come here to do productions, I've worked with a few teams before. I've, I was a scouter for a couple little movies or little clippings that people mm-hmm. had. They needed certain locations. They needed certain things in place. And I had to go out and find it for them and, and let them know, okay, and sometimes get permission for right. certain things. So that was a learning experience just to learn how to do that. And from that one gig, you got other gigs because they say, oh, yeah, just call Rashad. He can yes, figure it out and exactly. get it done. And then even with um, photography productionists, um, we, have, we have a lot more of them that people think that comes here. And sometimes there's a lot of equipment to yes. bring, you know. So they would call and say, hey, man, I need these certain amount of things. Can you get it for me? And because I know a lot of people, I would call them up and say, look, yeah, if I don't have it, I can right. find it and get it for them. Say, look, yeah, here's the renting price to get this stuff. Pay the persons. We get it back to you in, in good order. And then even that, I had to learn because the guy, like you say, working with these people, as simple as this song, watch this stuff, mm-hmm. watch this, because this was so profound to me. As simple as, let's take a light stand, right? The guy was like, okay, what color are you using? I'm like, um, I have black light stand. He's like, no, 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 no. You got to separate what is yours from what is someone else's yeah. own. So he had like orange tape, green yep. tape, yellow tape. I'm like, yep. what? Like simple as that to figure that out. So by learning that and then coming with the next crew, you know, you just go right into it. And like there's a point where they don't have to say anything. Yeah. You show up, you do what they need you to do. You know, you get your payment and they're really happy with what you did and you move yeah. on. So you do you do take your skill up. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying with that. Definitely. You know, now the only part, like I say, what I was mentioning about, um, I we work with a lot of teams, and like you say, some persons have that idea that they want to be the biggest, baddest sound company in the Bahamas or in the Caribbean, and they're trying to push as hard as they could, and sometimes they slack on on quality, whatever it may be. Um, but I've been trying in my profession to get one of those gigs, like that's why I brought up National Geographic. Right. Uh, I think that was the only thing out of all my list of things in photography that I have not completed. Okay. I just I just wanted one of my photos to be in National Geographic. I need to, I need to turn you on to Jason. Jason or the guy with me. Oh God. Anyway, because um, I what I what is very important too is the networking aspect of it and making sure to actually stay in contact with these yes. folks. So, I've, like I said, I've worked with Discovery Channel and I've worked with this one, that one, but I have all kinds of emails and, like, we add each other on Instagram and, and that kind of thing. This one. So that we stay in, we can stay in, in contact with each other. And if I have a question or if I need some help with something, they are now a resource. And the same thing that you said earlier that if they are coming to the Bahamas and they don't they're like man I met I met Tracy and she's really competent in this and she'll know where to go because some of the locations that we went to they weren't um ideal and and I had to actually they I had to actually find a location for them too which was completely out of 
of of my job description. It's just that I wanted the the shoot to be successful. Um, we right. we encountered some bad weather, so we had to make a change of plans at the last minute. But at the end of the day, you know, being able to do that means that the next time they come here, they don't want to work with anybody else. They want to work with right. this certain person. And if they uh, they the if they person, send exactly. somebody down or they know somebody is coming down, they hey contact. Rashad, because he really, he have a handle on this part, that part, and he, that you know, he can make it happen kind of thing. You just gotta, um, you gotta get into it, you know what I mean? And, and, and be open, um, and not be a scary person. This isn't the kind of job, um, being a technician, any kind of technician in the Bahamas, it's not the kind yeah. of job, whereas you can be shy. Or you could be complacent or, or lackadaisical in any kind of way. You have to be highly disciplined. Um, you have to be motivated, like self-motivated um, and, yeah, and, and yeah. friendly. And sort of, uh, even if you're not necessarily a people's person, you still have to have good interpersonal skills in order to, um, say, be any kind of a success. Yeah, you are correct on that. You have to stay in it and you have to keep on working. Cause, like, even if it seems as if nothing's working, you still have to continue to push and push and push because that's how you get your breakthrough. And like you say, um, um, just telling yourself that, look, here, we're going to do this until you believe it, until it actually happens. Yeah. You have to do it. And it's hard. It I is believe, hard work. Listen, I've been, I've been to different kind of gigs where they, it was, I was in a room and, and 80% of the people in the room literally were billionaires. They weren't millionaires. They were billionaires. And I'm sitting in the room and I'm telling myself, I belong here. Yes. Yeah. And they know I'm so lucky to be here. No, I belong here. Man, don't get me started on that because I have a big pet peeve about that. And again, switching to photography, people do this thing about, I'm so glad. And I'm like, wait, this way you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be mm-hmm. there or you're not. It's as simple as that. Now, if you feel as if it was a luck thing that you're just going to get this one chance, that's your business. But like when we shot, a couple of us, we shot, um, oh, anyway, I can't remember the lady. Anyways, the lady named a concert over, over PI and we did these things. But like, again, like we say, these multi-millionaires and billionaires, it became a habit. It just became mm-hmm. normal. It's like, dude, who else you could call? You have to have that attitude that this is me. This is what right. I do. This is what I do. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Yeah, I get that's a pet peeve for me. You know, I my voice changed just now because I I so sick of hearing yeah, people I saying that. Yeah, I hate to see people you know, sort, of, so sort of kowtow but, to to you know, and yeah. they don't stand their ground and and they op- you're like if you have to negotiate, they're negotiating from a, a position of weakness and all the rest of it. I'm gonna tell you, like this is either feasible or this is not feasible. We either do or don't have the equipment. We that's either it. can or can not do this thing. Um, there's this other solution or this workaround, this, that, the next thing. And you try to make it happen the best as you can. Um, but at the end of the day, you cannot be looking at yourself. And I mean, in, in the field, but also just in general, you cannot be looking at yourself as inferior because that is going to affect the way that people interact with you. Right. Wow. Now that there right there is just powerful. If that if there's any cliff notes I would take is that right there. Don't look at yourself as inferior. You know, you belong here. You know, you did. You put in the work. You know your job. You know what. Now the same, the same said way. 
you have to prove that to yourself as well. It doesn't make sense just saying that I'm so great, I'm so great, I'm so great, and then you don't do the things to prove, not to somebody else, to prove to yourself that I am I am good at what it is or I am great at what it is. I have to prove that by making sure that I do the research and making sure that I put in the practice and making sure that I have, you know, whatever processes is that and I say I have to make sure that I have an understanding of what exactly is going on so that I so that I can justify when I come with this level of confidence that I can back it up. So let me ask this then, because that yeah, you are correct, so correct on that. Again in my field I don't compare myself to anyone else in the Bahamas, North Caribbean. I compare myself with everyone else in the exactly. world. Like I want, I want myself to be at the world exactly. level. If it's not there, then what I'm doing, you're just wasting time. So in sound engineering, like, do you take that same approach that, you know what, what I'm going to produce or then put out there, no matter if I don't have the equipment that you have, I'm going to work the crap out of this equipment that you know, like, I'm going to get the best song on this that you've ever heard in your entire life. Like, the devil, the devil, what do you say? The details is in the devil. You you have to do that. The, the attitude that I take is that you, you can't call yourself official until people are coming to you. So if you right. are a vacuum salesperson, for instance, and you got to be going <laughs> door to door to try and sell your vacuums, you ain't saying yeah. much as a salesperson. Now, if you work your way from going right. door to door to the point where you have a storefront and people have no choice but to come to you, now you're saying something. Yeah. I want to be like that in the world. Whereas, and I can say in the world, because we have a very uh, multinational sort of, of, of makeup in the Bahamas. At any given point, you have so many people from so many different countries all over the world are here for one reason or the other. And they're usually the, the most sophisticated of those folks. So at the end of the day, I want it to be that when you come to the Bahamas to, to do this, that or the next thing, if it has to do with sound, and I have to, I have to go to Tracy. You see what I'm saying? And if you're a Bahamian, yeah. I, I want to go to Tracy. Especially because I give in Bahamian special treatment. I, I'm not treating the foreigners better than I'm treating the Bahamians. If anything, I try to treat the Bahamians better than I treat the foreigners because I got to see you all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For anyone who is interested in becoming a sound engineer, what would you tell them to do? Like, what um, is there something? Okay, you know, you got to go off to school for that. Is that something that you should? Because a lot of people talk about um, colleges not. That is not good or whatever. Can you learn this thing through courses? Is it best to go through school? What type of school should you go to? Um, how did you should you find a job in between in between time? Should you do things on your own? Like, what is your advice to someone who is listening right now? Let's say about to come out of school and say, you know what, I kind of like that. What would you tell them? I would tell them to try to work in the field first. Um. And not deviate that school is a must for various reasons. Not really a must, but it, it's ideal for a lot of different reasons. But I think that from my experience with going off to school, the, the, the school that I went to was like a career college. It was only like a 10-month kind of thing because when I was in school, there just weren't that many schools. There weren't that many programs that officially did it. 
um, like Full Sail at the time didn't have a show production. Um, they didn't have an associates or anything. I think they have a bachelor now. But for all of the people who were in my class, it was only the people who had a, some kind of background and then some kind of practical background, whether they were a musician or a DJ or, you know, um, they worked the media at their school or at their church or something like that. They were the people who were able to keep up with the concepts and be able to kind of, kind of do things. People who just came there and they didn't know anything at all, they were, they were handicapped. I didn't have a lot of practical experience before I went, but I, I am an avid reader. And so I would spend literally nine, sometimes 14 hours a day, I was just reading manuals um, that were on the internet that I downloaded just so that I could get an understanding of what this piece of equipment is for and how this piece of equipment is used and try to figure out all of the different parameters. So by the time as I went to school and those things came up, then my lecturer, I would have intelligent questions to ask, number one, and then my lecturer's explanation made a lot more sense. Um, and you had some people who they might have been in a band or something like that. So they were already familiar with hooking up different equipment and different concepts and all the rest of that. So I would definitely say if you want to get into it, it would be in your best interest to to get in in church and volunteer in church if, if you go to church um, to look up, because uh, uh, people always need help. To look up um, either on the internet or, well, I guess the internet now, to look up different companies and see if you can tag along as an assistant or, you know what I mean, work as, as a, a, a semi-skilled laborer or a laborer or something like that so that you can actually get around the equipment and see what the workflow is. Um, if you want to get in studio or something, try and actually put yourself around these people. There's so many, you know, I didn't have the benefit of YouTube. Um, there's so many tutorials, there's so many um, um, resources online that you can use to actually spend your time and your energy um, taking in a lot of that information and going to, to websites. Every single piece of equipment that there is, you can go to company websites and every single thing that they have listed, you can find the manual for that. And you can also find the, 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 a lot of the legacy products, so, so products that were discontinued but that might still be um, in use at a studio or at a church or at a radio station or something like that. Just try to actually um, and ask questions. Don't be afraid. Um, if you go to a concert or something and you see the engineer there, ask some questions. I used to, one of my mentors, I annoyed the hell out of him. I wasn't checking. I was like, I need answers. So I just kept on pressing and pressing and pressing, and I was a permanent person in my life. But at the end of the day, you really have to sort of take an interest. I would say, because, and then the other part of it, like I said, the, the field of sound is so broad. Like we've talked about movies, we've talked about church, we've talked about doing concerts, we've talked about doing private parties and this and that and the next thing. At the end of the day, there's so many parts of it. So you, it's, it's good to get some work in beforehand to help you figure out which road you actually want to take. Because you don't want to go there, go all the way over there, spend all kind of big money, you know what I mean, 
and yeah. then you study studio recording, come to find out what you really love is is live sound. Or come to yeah. find out what you really <laughs> like is film. You see what I mean? So it's like you are, if you're not sure, you might want to uh, go enter yourself into a program that is um, broad. That's what I did. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do the most. So I went into, I found a program that was, was very broad spectrum uh-huh. um, with a mind that later on when I have the opportunity, which is something I still want to do, um, I would go back but specialize in something that, that now I know for sure this is what I want to do. And then when you come back into the, into the field, wherever it is, you, you, know, you already know what is the fluff because you're working in there and you understand, have an understanding of what the work environment demands. You could understand from your school program what is fluff and what is really pertinent. And that puts a lot more sort of intention behind your studies because now you know why this is important to know. Oh, man, so that's a lot for you to do. But I agree with that, like you said. And, but anybody is going to do it. If you decide that you want to be a yeah. medical doctor, I don't see nobody who, who decides yeah. that they want to be a medical doctor. They didn't research, well, what kind of, you know, there's a million kind of different doctors. What kind of doctor that they want to be? Where do they maybe want to work in, in the world? What, you know, what, does, what does this a uh, uh, field of medicine do different than this field? What, what would be the, the course of study for, you know, if I have to, if I want to become a general practitioner, that's different than if I want to become a, 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 a specialist in something. That's different specialist than if I want to become yeah. a surgeon or something like that. And so actually anything that you go into, you're going to go and look into these things. If you say you want to go into accounting, or do you want to go into um, do private accounting? Do you want to do um, corporate accounting? What is it that you think you? I think you're joking as a as a human if you aren't going to like whatever field it is that you say you're going to pursue that you don't um, research it and try and yeah. figure it out. And I know that some people they they go off to to college or not, and that's where they think you know they they're gonna try and figure it out as they go along, kind of thing. As but they, if you have yeah. an idea that hey. I find sound to be interesting. Those are the things that I would do. I would put myself around as many people as I can who are already doing it. Ask as many questions as possible. Get as much reading material as I can find and, and try to get an understanding through that. Watch as many videos as I can so I could get an understanding of that. If there's any trade shows that I'm in a position to go to, then I would, I would try to do that and then go to those things and ask as many questions as possible and get your hands on equipment and whatever little seminar, whatever. There's a lot of online courses that you can take. So try to get a cert- some kind of a certification um, so that you could, any, anything like that, anything like that. Awesome. So I'll ask you two more questions, and one just popped up as you talked about that, but just people who like in sound. Have you ever heard of a show called Sunrise Earth? Sunrise Earth, no. Okay, there's something done by National Geographic, and what they do, they just traveled around the world, and they just recorded um, different scenes, people doing stuff, just regular things that happen, but the sound was the most important thing. Like there was one where they were in a, an open mm-hmm. field, and... The type of mic, I don't know what type of mic they use, but you could hear down to like 
crickets walking on leaves. Mm. You know, it was like really intense on the sound. The sound was very, very intense. And that actually drew me to, to, to like, because it's actually quite therapeutic, tell you the truth. You know, just listen to it. Um, there was one where they had a village somewhere in Bali, I think it was. So you had the, the waves coming in and then you could hear the people as they get ready to go out and fish, the footsteps, the children running in the background. And like this song was just playing. What do you call that? What type of work is that? When you, where you just, where you're doing a doc, I don't know if it's even a documentary. It was just video and song. And the song was actually more important than the video. What do you call stuff like that's, that? That's on location that. song recording. Yeah, that's something I might try out. If, it, if I ever get too deep into song, I would really like to try that in the Bahamas. I think we need something like that, like the sounds of the Bahamas, like just downtown alone. I would be interested in something like that, like because the like, I really want to get, I want to upgrade my stuff for that now because I work with a, a system, a small mic system. And, you know, we're in the Bahamas, so every production feels like they want to they wanna do a shoot outside. Right. I was on a shoot, and the director and the camera lady and her assistant, they were from Jamaica. The director, he was an older guy. Mm-hmm. And we had some pretty intense weather. And one of the shoots, I mean, one of the, of the scenes was out by the Western Esplanade. You know how those, those things go out into the ocean, which you could walk along and know what you call them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they had a scene along one of those and it was like i mean crazy windy like i you, when i say windy the, the waves were just crazy high and ridiculous and crashing and it was just so windy so if you were if you were standing three feet apart it was like you had to really project in order to hear the other person and it's, you know, all you right. get is <laughs> kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, it was windy, 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 but... And um, I had some lavalier microphones, which are the ones that mm-hmm. you, you know, little ones that you put on your clothes. And then mm-hmm. I had a shotgun mic. And I told them, I said, um, the lavaliers, we ain't going to be able to use them out here like that because even though and then you know again it goes back to, to knowing which filters and stuff to use as well so i could get a fairly right. decent sound with the lava layers but not really what i what i felt was the standard that they required and um i set up the shotgun mic and it was a sennheiser mic and then it had a rifle blimp system and then the blimp had this furry and so I set it up, and I was very confident. I wasn't, I wasn't checking for nothing. I talking about it was windy. You couldn't, you couldn't hardly hear just having a conversation with people. And I right. turned, I turned that on, and all you could hear was the seagulls and the water sound, like it was just gently <laughs> crashing. And you could hear just the, the slightest bit of wind, like it, like it sounded like an ideal, just Bahamas, just paradise kind of thing. And the yeah. director was convinced that we would not be able to shoot the scene because of how terrible the wind was. And so right. I just, I set it up and I put the headphones on him. And like I said, this was an older guy, very experienced. He was like in his late 50s. And um, I just gave him the headphones. And 
his only reaction was, that's amazing. That's <laughs> like, he was so shocked. He's like, that, that, that is amazing. How, how did you do And And the water in the Bahamas is so beautiful. And I've done it. I've done it on, on boats where you wouldn't even hear the engine at all. All you can hear is the water and whoever is speaking. If you know what you're doing and you have the right gear, you definitely could easily do stuff like that. Just sitting down in, in the bush and capturing the ambient sound and stuff like that. Because you'll be surprised how many different things you can hear. Like I've been sitting on the shore where I would be like under a tree or something. And it might be 30 feet before you get to the water. And then someone would be in a boat. A couple of people would be in a boat. And that boat might be another 50 feet or so out or more. And I could hear what them people talking about. So wow. I could hear, I, I could hear the, the boats come. I could hear, and at the same time as, as I could hear, I hear the water and I could hear the wind gently in the background. And then you could hear the conversation. You hear the engines of the, 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 um, thing, but then again, like the way you do the filters. And then on top of that, you hear a conversation that they're having and, and, you know, all of it, all the insects in the bush and stuff like that, any birds that might be around. You know, if a car drives past on a road nearby or something like that, you, you hear all kinds of things if you just take your time and listen. Yeah, that's one thing I really like is the sounds of the island. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. I like man. the sound of our you know, water. Our, the water sounds so yes. cool. Oh, my gosh. I remember I was on uh, Harbor Island. Uh, I had to stay overnight. I was doing a shoot. And I just came out and I sat by the dock and watching the people get on the boat, you know, to go towards the school or come towards the school and and just hearing the songs as they take off and pull up in the cars. I'm like, man, this is awesome. And of course, the occasional rooster in the background. I'm like, this needs to be recorded. <laughs> and I always wondered from then, like, how do you do this? How do you put something together like that? But it's interesting to know. Um, again, the specialized equipment. I I didn't know at the time. Yeah, once you once you get a certain level of equipment, then you'll be able to achieve a lot. And like I said, microphones yeah. are made by application. So you have a lot of this, a lot of variety when it comes to microphones. All right. So. Give us some information of where people can find you. I think you mentioned already your Instagram handle. Where can they find you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever else? Phone contact, email. If someone wants to work with you, is is that possible? Or if they want to hire you, what do they got to do? Especially churches, because I think churches really need this. I mean, some of you guys really, really need this. How can they get in contact well, with you? Well, my telephone number is 426 um, you can WhatsApp me or you can call me anytime on that. Email is machine at gmail.com. Um, Facebook, you can look for the page, Big Tune Machine, the big T-U-N-E machine on Facebook. Uh, you can, on, and then on Facebook, my profile is Tracy Stubbs, T-R-A-C-Y Stubbs. Um, on Instagram, it's at Big Tune Machine 242. Um, on SoundCloud, Big Tune Machine. On YouTube, it's Big Tune Machine. On, on Twitter, um, I think I have to reactivate my Twitter account actually. But um, yeah, everything all, all across the board, just look for Big Tune Machine, T U N E. 
and you'll be able to to grab me. Awesome. So you heard it right here, Tracy Stubbs with Big Tune Machine. We've been talking about sound. She's a sound engineer. She works with a lot of churches. She do production. She do commercials. She do whatever. Anything to do with sound, call Tracy. You have all the contacts. And I'd like to thank you guys for um, listening here on uh, Brought Up Sea with Talking Fool with Tracy Stubbs. Tracy, again, man, thanks for coming out. Thanks for listening. Sorry. Thanks for talking to us about sound, explaining um, the nuances of how sound really works. And so now we have a better understanding when we go into certain locations, especially in the churches or to, to uh, concerts, of what goes on behind the scene. Is there anything you want to say lastly in closing out? I mean, well, thank you for inviting me to be a guest. It's always cool to do stuff like this and, you know, talk about something that you're passionate about. So I appreciate that opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, keep it up. All of these conversations are interesting. So I, um, I look forward to hearing your future guests and then kind of going from there. But like I said, thank you so much for inviting me. Awesome. Awesome. So that's what we do here on Talking Fool. This is made by Bahamians for Bahamians, understanding the lives of Bahamians that you don't always hear about, but they live very interesting lives. And this is just another person that we've had here on Talking Fool. The name is Talking Fool, but you know we're not Talking Fool, but that's just the irony of it. So again, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to leave a comment below. If you have any suggestions for persons you want to be on Talking Fool, just leave your comment and we will give you a definite follow up on that. Right now, good night. Talking fool is a very serious thing. Talking fool is a crying shame. Talking fool, it will taste your blood. For talking fool, will leave you lying in the mud. Harry talking fool, shame and look him in the head. He breaks you to bush crying.